Guys, thanks for joining us again here on the Fan Holes Podcast. This is a episode of Toku Thursdays, and we're not doing a crossover this week. I'm sorry, the kind is good enough by itself. I mean, come on, the movies are great, but the series is the main thing that sells it. And of course, we're doing guys. I mean, we, we promised that we finish this show, so for the foreseeable future, we'll be doing guy pretty hardcore. Hope you've been listening to all the movies and the regular episodes as usual. I, of course, have my faithful. Man, I hate to say it. Are you like, you know what? I was going to say you're like my Michi to my Coda, but you know what? You're, you're much more my Kaito to my Coda. So give it a shout out, Derek. Yo, what's up, guys? Switch on! Uh, I'm here on this episode of Tokyo Thursdays, ready to switch off. Exactly. <laughs> You'll understand what that means a little bit later. It's definitely a, a Derek thing that he, he likes about this arc. And the arc we are doing is the Overlord arc. This is basically. I, I say this all the time, I feel like it's getting redundant, but it is true, because every arc does get more serious, and again, we're getting more serious. <laughs> this is where we kind of, for a while, we've been seeing the Invests, which have been our main enemies, aside from Mick Brazil. I'm just talking about the guys that they, they fight, usually. But actually, the Invests are more or less, they're scrubs, they're like the Putty Patrol, like there's some more powerful ones, but they're not really the biggest threat. The Overlords are. And with the ending of the arc last time, we saw uh, Baron trying to uh, fight an overlord. And this overlord is Demushu. And we start right into it with him trying to fight him. Not doing so well. Uh, Demushu is pretty fucking powerful. He pretty much, uh, yeah, another wallet is being taken today. <laughs> I, I, I think it was a cool fight. Like, I enjoyed it. I know you, you basically continue where we left off with Kaito, which, of course, calls into my mind some question as to the placement of all the movies and all that other stuff, but I think it's just one of those Dragon Ball Z movie things that if you think about it too hard, your head will explode. But but it is it is a really super fun opening fight. I mean, he turns into Mango Arms, and he goes after this overlord and everything. But, of course, the overlord is is a lot more powerful than he is, but but also seems to mirror him in certain ways, which I guess maybe we'll talk more about later. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some popular theories about, like, parallels with the overlord and such. But it's okay, though, because even though he's kind of getting the worst end of the deal, Arika is there, coming in with her peachy energy, powerful bow, and even her power... Not doing a whole lot, but it's enough to distract Mushu and for them to get away. And honestly, I could say that he she distracts him and they kind of get away, but Mushu was just kind of like, run, you know? Just like, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, he's not really giving a big chase. I mean, she she basically, she saves Kaito's ass in that, in that moment where if it wasn't for her, then he might have been taken out. Yeah, exactly. And actually, we get a little bit more of a building of their, like, uh, partnership. Because she's like, you know, oh hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call it, a partnership. Yeah, yeah. Because she's talking to him, and even though she's been portrayed mostly as this very professional, 
you know, person and stuff, there's like a little bit of hint that she might actually care in some way about Kaito. I'm not saying romantically, but definitely she has interest in him because she's like, you know, why'd you push so hard? The data you got from the beginning of the fight was fine. You know, you didn't have to keep fighting. And Kaito, of course, is like, you know, you wanted good data. And he like punches a tree and scrapes his knuckles on the bark. And he's like, this is how I get, you know? (laughs) I'm like, I I feel like I'm going to use this line a lot, but, but in this case, I, I feel like embarrassed because I, I, I'm like, because we've all been there. And then I'm like, well, maybe we all haven't been there. But I know I've been there occasionally. Yeah, I know, right? That's, that's, that's how it goes. Yeah, so that was, that was a cool little moment. And, of course, it does set up that the overlords, you know, you don't want to mess with them. And, you know, even the Yggdrasil are kind of like, you know, it kind of in the dark about them. They, they, they know they exist, but they're like – you know, insufficient data, you know, they're trying to figure out what their, their limits are. Richard Pryor's sitting there, unknown, what's unknown? I guess I'll just put some tar into it, you know, like, they don't, <laughs> don't know what the hell's going on, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. Now, bonus points for anybody who got a Richard Pryor reference. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but I, I, I'm like you, Derek, I'm old. <laughs> Meanwhile, we got Mitchie and my kind of hanging at Team Dime base. This is a cute little moment because Mitchie, again, he's kind of being nice guy, Mr. Nice Guy. This is this is like almost a dreamlike sequence. Like like I almost questioned the way it was shot in the beginning if this was just some figment of Michi's imagination, you know? Because it's like he's so. This is probably the happiest Michi would be with my for the rest of this series. Do you know what I mean? Like until until he yeah. gets the crazy the crazy red eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, uh, and there's also another uh, another hint. They keep dropping these hints about Mai, and like you know, at one point Michi is like, you know, you really do seem to worry about Kodo a lot, and she just is like frozen for a minute, like, oh, what? <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, we we know what's on your mind, Mai. You you don't have to tell us. You you got the hots for him. She of course deflects. She's like, you know, I just I just worry about him is all. You know, he he always tries so hard for everyone else and not for himself. Blah blah blah. While this is all going on, Coda, I don't know if you remember, but in the last episode or the episode before that, I can't exactly remember. He uh, nabbed Marika's peach lock seed, so now he has peachy energy himself, and he turns into Jimba Peach Arms because of his ability to mix with his standard warring driver. And this is kind of cool. I like this. I like that certain lock seeds have other abilities besides just weapons, because with this, he actually gets kind of like super hearing. Yeah, he's 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 definitely doing the Superman super hearing thing where he can hear all kinds of sounds and he can actually home in on even, you know, Michi and Mai's conversation and everything. And that's how he ends up, I think, like seeing him from the street or something and kind of being like, hey, Michi. Yeah, Coda <laughs> is still, you know, I don't trust Yggdrasil. You know, I, I pretty much haven't this whole time, but reaffirming stuff. You know, to start off the arc, you know, we have to know where Coda stands, and he's not on the side of Yggdrasil. And he's like, I'm going to stop Helheim Forest my way. And, you know, he didn't really say too much about it, but, you know, he did learn a lot from DJ Sagara when he was freed from him. So, Sagara, man, he's just, he just keeps popping up. Anyway, I did I forgot to mention this, but we go back to the forest. After Marika and Baron, or Kaito, and oh, I forgot her name, Minato? Is that her name? Minato, yeah. Yeah, yeah. After they're having their conversation, it's actually revealed that they be, they're being spied upon. 
this is another overlord. His name, or her name, actually, it's a female, is, I, I want to say Reju or Redu, and it's that Y in Japanese. It always gets me, and I still call Ru Ryu, so I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm, but, uh, I'm just making I'm making sure I'm I'm still following along because I I sort of didn't keep track of the overlords names but the one that Kaito was fighting the, is Mushu. the red one and then yeah. this is what the the green and purple one yeah the the kind of plant looking one yeah okay yeah so that's that's Ridu and she's like studying a Japanese dictionary and starts learning the language, which is kind of cool. By the way, when you watch this episode, or further episodes as it goes along, the overlords do talk in Japanese at points, especially when they're talking to anybody who is, you know, from our world, or a Zawami. I don't know if Zawami's actually in our world. I don't know the dimensional thing that a common writer does. The point being is, it's like, but when they're by themselves, or they're talking to each other, they speak in a weird, you know, barbedly gook language. That's not a language. It's not a, a real one at all. It's not like, you know, like anything taken from anything. It's just basically their language. And it's kind of cool. It kind of helps build a world. I thought that was kind of a neat thing. Yeah, and it's not anything that really gets translated. It's just you you sort of are there for the ride to listen to their, you know, I, I guess hopefully you, you understand maybe the inflection and tone or something, but otherwise you're not really privy to the specifics. Yeah, the overlords are connected by, like, Ooh, a mysterious man. It, it's it's interesting though because because Michi, after having that conversation with Coda, I mean he, you know, he instantly reports into the Yggdrasil cabal about Coda getting the Kachidochi arms from DJ Sagara, and then and then even to I think Ryoma, you know, Minato and Sid Chagrin, he also kind of shows a little bit of his hand because he, he kind of, he, I think he does it purposely. Like he, he, it's not like he let it slip out by accident. Like he purposely says, well, brother, there is, you know, the reason why, you know, Kota is, is going after, you know, the Helheim forest. He's looking for these beings of more power that they've found that, that you guys haven't found yet. And that's, it's kind of like he learns, like, he, he reveals a little bit of his poker hand, and through doing that, everybody gets all combusted and excited, and they end up, like, flipping over a couple of their cards they didn't mean to, because you can tell by, you know, he's reading their faces and kind of going, oh, I see what hands you have. Like, you guys know, but but my brother doesn't, and you're keeping it from him, so now I've made you feel yeah. uneasy. And so that's kind of a, a cool moment, I think, where you, you see that that dynamic begin to take shape. And then obviously it's, it's sort of laying the groundwork for, for what'll happen later on in the arc. Yeah. And this is also kind of a nice turnabout is fair play. Cause Takatora originally showed him the demolished city inside the Hellhound Forest. And he was like, Holy shit. And now it's Michi starting to be like, and by the way, there's really super powerful people who live there too. And, you know, Takatora is like, no, no way. You're, you're, you know, I don't believe you. That, that can't be true. Of course, Ryoma is like, you know, uh-huh, it's true, but I ain't, I ain't saying nothing. Nonetheless, they, they are pretty much on the same page, at least. Dakota is becoming kind of a pain in the ass. They, they like, you know, have to figure out something. Ryoma kind of goes off on his own and tells Sid to take care of it again, because he's done such a good job so far trying to take care of it. <laughs> we have our heroes going back to the forest to find these overlords, to find out exactly what their deal is, what their intentions are. I mean, sure, one busted up Baron pretty good, but, like, you know, 
who knows what's on, you know, who knows what's in the hearts of man, you know, only the shadow knows. Gaim transforms into the peach arms again, because even though it's cool, we have to sell toys. And they also used the super hearing, though, which is okay. So, you know, that's kind of cool. But of course, you know, they can't have, you know, too much downtime where they're just tracking down stuff and figuring out stuff. Because here comes Sigurd, a.k.a. Sid, and he's, he's here to try to beat some ass again. Trying again. Well, you know, actually, he, he's got his he's got his secret weapon this time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Instead of his cherry lock seed, he has his Sid lock seed, which is kind of interesting, kind of cool, I guess. Mainly because it summons three of Derek's favorites, the uh, Suica arms slash you know watermelon armors, to fight Gaim, which is pretty you know overkill because those are pretty powerful. Yeah. But it's okay, because Kota has the Tachidoki arms, another one of Derek's oh. favorites. <laughs> I like, I like, I like now it's not just the regular, like, because it's like, they've got the, the slow down the tempo, like, <laughs> and then, and then they've got like the, the speed up the tempo where it's like, <laughs> you know, like it goes really fast and stuff. And depending on that, I guess it's like a, a different type of attack. Like maybe one's more grounded and base or something and the other one's like really quick and speedy or something i don't know but but yeah. it's pretty cool though yeah yeah i'm, I'm actually a fan of kajidoki he does take him out pretty pretty easily actually considering how powerful we've seen watermelon be in the past and god dang it, it, it i hate trying to pronounce this let me look it up on the wiki and he takes out the other two with the hinawa dadaibosu zan attack awesome i refer to it as the sword <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he takes them out with the big badass gun sword or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. The, you know, just just to like, I I love this fight. Like, and and I had a good time watching it. Like, I get a kick out of it. And then, of course, again, this is this is more in the lines of what I would expect from Kachidochi Arms. Like that, it's it's something that you know normally it's like okay, the watermelon. Lockseed has been shown to be a, a big badass force, and they've now stuck three of them against him. And it's not like, I mean, he makes short work of them, but he has a little bit of trouble when he's trying to shoot them down in their sort of ball armored defense modes and stuff like that. But he gets yeah, them yeah. out of those when he takes them out with the sword and everything, which, you know, like I said, I, I enjoy the hell out of that kind of stuff. And, and I think it, it continues to sort of pump up the, the power level that, that Kota has been given, as opposed to like some of the scenes in the movies that we just watched where it's kind of like he can easily get bitch slapped out of Kachidochi arms and it's no big deal. Like this is kind of treating it with a bit more respect. And, and, you know, it's not just like, you know, anybody can go up against them and they have to throw a lot of stuff at him just to keep him occupied. And I kind of enjoy that they, they keep that consistent in the TV series and everything. And then the, the other thing that I was just going to mention was before all that sort of goes down, there is actually a, a scene that I thought was kind of a, a crucial scene where, where Kaito comes to see Mai. And there's a it, it's an interesting exchange because he basically tells her, look, if you survive what's coming, then I will acknowledge that your version of strength, you know, this whole dancing to make people happy strength, like I will acknowledge that that is valid, but yeah. it's kind of like he's mourning her too. Like he's like, you might not make it out of this because because that version of strength might not survive what's coming. You know, so it's 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 an interesting scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like I said, the fighting is great, and like you know, you love seeing the cool armors and stuff. 
but there, there's some really good characters in this show, and you know, the, the little scenes like that really, you know, help drive those characters forward. So ne- never a bad time with like, especially like the big three. I always consider the big three Koda, Kaito, and Mai. I consider them like the the important people in this show. But back to the battle. Koda is not really having it about Sid. He doesn't really want to fight him. He's got a different mission. So he turns into Jimber Cherry Arms, because he has to put a Sid Loxies to Koda. He's just stealing Loxies all over the place. And he, he pretty much just puts Sid down long enough so he can get away. He doesn't really feel like defeating him. He even knocks him down, which, like, Sid kind of tastes like, you know, like he's, he's kind of not really humiliated, but he's like, you know, like, you know, what? You know, like, he doesn't even, like, you know... He feels like Coda is like, you know, just kind of shrugging him off. You know, it's like, I'm not, you know, not worth my time. I got important shit to do. You know, he's, he's kind of got the butt hurt. You know, <laughs> I want to kick that kid's ass. But uh, he turns back into Peach Arms, to Jimber Peach Arms, to keep looking for the overlords. And then, duh, 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 we have Demushu and Redu appear right in front of him. You know, Christmas power, red and green. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting moment. Koda being the guy he is, he doesn't always want to. He doesn't always want to fight. He tries to, you know, figure out what's going on. He doesn't, you know, just want to just kick everybody's ass. And he's like, we don't have to fight, you know. I mean, let's let's not fight, you know. But Redu, he she's he wants to say he because it's, it's an ugly chick. She, I, I know, didn't even know Tony. I had no idea that that was a female. So oh, no problem. Yeah, uh, I didn't either until they, the, at one point, somebody calls her a she later on. So she can uh, produce loud noises, which, since he's in his Jimber Peach arms, kind of, you know, fucks with him a little bit. And Demushu is using just basic brute strength to, you know, beat the crap out of him, which is kind of cool seeing the like, bad guys team up and actually form kind of a unit, you know? Yeah, I thought it was interesting that, like, Kota, obviously, he wants to talk to the overlords as opposed to Kaito who wants to fight them and, and test their strength and maybe, you know, sort of display his own worth in terms of strength and fighting. And, and Kota, I think looks at them as a possibility to, you know, help Zawame, you know, to help the world and everything. So he's trying to just reason with them. And of course the, the, the red one, at this point, does not appear to understand English whatsoever. He may just be ignoring him, but at, at the time, you think, oh, he probably doesn't speak English. And when the the, the green one, <laughs> you know, <laughs> is speaking English to to Kota, you know, then then he kind of pleads with with her, you know, like you understand me, like tell the red one, you know, look, I don't want to, I'm not here to fight, I'm just here to talk. You know, and 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 I think I, I think it's not so much that Kota gets owned in this scene, even though he's I mean, essentially, he's summarily defeated by them. But it, it sort of goes to set up that the overlords are powerful. But then at the same token, Kota's not really trying to fight them either. You know, so, no, so yeah, in that yeah. sense, it's not like I don't I, I never felt like it was a degradation of the previously set up power levels he has, he's, he's going there on a, on a, you know, first contact, you know, peace mission to sort of send out an olive branch saying, look, I'm from earth. Like, you know, let's, can we work together? Can we talk this over? And instead of them talking to him, you know, they just keep attacking him and he's trying to like, you know, make peace as they sort of cut him down, you know, and that's just the unfortunate situation he's in at the moment. 
Yeah, yeah, Coda basically goes to the forest to like be like, you know, why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? And the whole time they're playing, Mama's gonna knock you out. So, but yeah, this basically what happens. Yeah, I mean, like Coda does get beaten down, but it's not because he's fighting with all his heart. He's trying to prevail. It's because he's not fighting. He's trying to use his words for you know a change. And they're just not having it. So, yeah, this definitely does not reflect badly on Coda, like he's a, a weakling or something. It actually shows how strong he is to, like, not get annihilated, even though he's just talking. So, pretty, pretty cool, actually. Yeah, the other thing you notice is that they're pretty callous about the whole situation. I mean, from what English the, the green one can speak, you, you know, she's basically saying, are you a toy? Like, next time, be a much more interesting toy than you were this time. And you can just tell, like, there's no... They're, they're, it doesn't seem like he's gotten through to them on any compassionate level. You you don't even know if they're capable of being compassionate at this point. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's pretty much how the episode ends. Two overlords pretty much let Coda get away. You know, they're like, you know, go ahead and you know, when you come back next time, you know, be more interesting. You're you're not a fun toy this time. Pretty much, you know, showing their arrogance and you know, yeah, they're powerful, but they're also kind of dicks. <laughs> And that, that pretty much wraps up the, the, the first episode of the new arc, the Overlord Saga. I want to go ahead and give it my rating real quick, uh, see if I, if I juxtapose with Derek or if we agree. Not a bad opening as far as establishing the new, the new norm with the Overlords, and like this is our, our big bad for uh, this arc, possibly the rest of the series. But one of the big things is, is like, I didn't think Dimashu and Reju were really strong. I thought, I mean, like, powerful, yes, as far as their powers, but as far as, like, characters, didn't get a lot. We got a lot more from Redu since she spoke in Japanese slash English subtitles. We got a little insight to her character a little bit, but, you know, Demushu was basically just angry. And there's nothing wrong with that, I mean, but it'd be kind of cool to see, like, you know, him be boastful or maybe, like, just, just angry, you know? So, I mean, we will get deeper into the characters later on, I'm sure, at least I hope. But for an introduction, it's mysterious, but I don't know if it was really impactful to me. However, really good fight scenes. Like Derek said, the first fight scene between Baron and Demushu is a very good fight. It is really, really cool. So I'm going to stick with the average rating again. I'm going to give it three pineapples. Not a bad opener, but it didn't hit me as hard as some of the other ones in the arcs. So I, I, I guess I, I kind of, I don't know if I was really generous this time around in the arc, but I think I, I'm handing out like fives, like candy in this in this arc because I seem <laughs> to enjoy the episodes. But I did, I did just say like, I, I just said like, I think this is a five out of five one for me, just because I think. It just features like all the characters I like and they do a bunch of cool stuff. So I couldn't really, I mean, I know what you were pointing at in terms of criticism is maybe the, the characterization of the overlords to this point, but I figured they're just introduced. So I wasn't quite so hard on it. It's like, I, I even enjoyed seeing like, you know, Darth Sagara, you know, communicate from his little hologram with them. I mean, all that <laughs> kind of stuff is enticing to me. Like it kind of, it, it, there's a lot of intrigue. They use a lot of cool suits. You know, Coda does a lot of cool stuff. He also gets pwned at the same time. I guess we, we have the first real sign that Michi's getting a little warped, you know, like with the, the crazy yeah. red eyes and he gets friend zoned and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I, I like that 
you know, Minata is the one who comes in and saves Kaito's ass because I, I like both their characters and their suits and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, so, I mean, for me, and then, the, you know, the, the watermelon lock seeds, and there's three of them, you know, it's like going after, like, you know, it's not just one Hulkbuster, it's three Hulkbusters, you know, like, I'm like, oh, this is all, like, super cool stuff. And, of course, then what takes out the three Hulkbusters is, like, a super power-up mode, you know, it'd be like, you know, Spider-Man going Captain Universe and taking out three Hulkbusters, you know, like, for me, it's like, you know, Coda's doing the Kachidochi arms and taking out the, the three watermelon arms and everything, so I... I pretty much enjoyed it. Like I, I really liked it. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't find anything to kind of go, ah, oh, that wasn't quite so awesome because it all was kind of quite that awesome for me. So I just gave it five out of five. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. There's been some episodes in the past. I was like, Ooh, yeah. And you're like, meh, it was okay. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't always line up perfectly. But that's nothing. Yeah. That's nothing to be, <laughs> be upset about or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, no, no big deal here. I, if I didn't mention the title, I forgot if I did. The title of that episode was The New Formidable Enemy, Overlord. Just Overlord, not Overlords, which I thought was kind of interesting, but, you know, whatever. No big deal. Now we go on to probably one of my favorite titles in the entire series, just because it's just funny. This is the 25th episode. We're over halfway into this 47-episode uh, series, so we're, we're chugging along pretty good. This episode is called Glidon and Bravo, The Strongest Tag. <laughs> just, that's the silly title. Anyway. It's not, not, to, not to reveal my hand too soon, but it's, it's kind of a silly episode as well. Yeah, they, they, well, I think they've had a lot of serious episodes. This a couple is of this kind of the, the breather episode where everything isn't yeah. quite so heavy, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. I, get, I, I mean, unless you read between the subtext, it's not really a heavy episode at all, I suppose. But Yeah, exactly. In case you forgot, faithful listeners, I hope you haven't. The Gridon and Bravo, that is uh, Jonucci and Orem, the uh, flamboyant pastry chef of the uh, Charmin. Basically, Bruce Wayne and his young boy ward who they actually do seem to play grab ass on, like uh, Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, we start off with the bang, though. Uh, Knuckle, Ryugan, and Gaim are lending a pretty big amount of invest. And, you know, they're, they're, they're doing their thing. At this point, the, the regular Putty Patrol invest, not really a big deal. They, they, they mop them up pretty quickly. They do, they do get some help from Michi, though, before they, they clean up all of them. Yeah, true, true. One thing that they do point out, one thing that does, you know, progress the plot, even though this is a lighter episode, is that there's been a lot more cracks opening up lately. And, of course, that is very worrisome. Meanwhile, Janucci, the late Chip. Chip, we, we haven't called him Chip in a while. He's, he's progressed so much. We, we, should, we should go back to that because he's very much Chip in this episode. He's watching away, like far away, and here here's one of his former teammates talking with Mai. And she, Mai's just like, Jonucci, yeah, he's, he's got armor, I guess. He's, he's, he exists. And, you know, she's not seems, mean. Yeah, well, she's just, not, like she's just missing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it seems like that former teammate, though, is pretty mean about, you know, him as a person. And so he's, he's sort of overhearing all that. And then he's just kind of, he's, he's psychologically choded, you know. He's like, he keels over literally, but it's, it's supposed to be representative of hearing his former teammate 
smack talk him to my basically. Yeah, yeah, he takes it to heart. Jonichi, uh, like you said, he's a guy who thinks he's the smartest kid in the room, and right now he's beginning to realize that he's basically, you know, he, he's the community college grad in a room full of phys- physics majors. You know, he just he's realizing he's not as smart as he, he thought he was. Oren, however, it's really funny, their relationship, because Oren is a very tough person. His, basically, throughout the whole series, his role is to be the adult. He's a very flamboyant adult, but he, he's basically, like, he's like your dad. And the fact that he's like, you know, back in my day, we were just tough. We learned how to be tough by doing tough things. You know, he... He has that old school mindset and all these other kids, you know, they're like trying to change the world. You know, he just doesn't understand them, all that kind of stuff. You know, the, 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 the kids versus adult thing is very strong whenever he shows up. And of course, as he is wont to do, he wants to cheer, he wants to cheer Tonucci up. He actually does. He actually does have a fondness for the boy. So he makes him do some incredibly hard, rough trainings. So it'll be tough. Well, it's, it's he won't weird. Get hurt you, anymore. Yeah. You you say he's old school, but it, it's just such a. I mean, I guess given the character, the character's <laughs> yeah is not old school. Like in terms of his his lifestyle and everything. So it's like oh, yeah, he yeah. goes from he goes from one extreme to another. It's like he starts out doing like drill instructor stuff in the middle of all these playgrounds, which made me laugh because it's like they're he's he's setting landmines for them. I mean, it's this very strict, like, come on, you know, snap out of it, get whipped into shape, like that kind of thing. And then before you know it, he's now he's getting cross-dressing training, like, and you're just like, wait, what, what happened? Like he went from being like a, a drill sergeant of, of military tactics to like a drill sergeant of, this is how you make yourself look pretty, you know, and I'm just kind of like, and then you feel better about yourself. And I'm just kind of like, and then it seems to make him feel worse because I think my and those girls walk in on the cross dressing session. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and then they all just kind of like, oh, we, okay, we interrupted something strange. Like, we better get out of here. And of course, it's like he's, he's again, sort of like, down in the dumps about himself because uh, you know I guess basically I mean this is the most serious the episode gets is that he does have a sort of mini meltdown where he's kind of like I don't know what I want to be you know and he like yeah. kind of freaks out and everything and it's like I guess you know in, in that sense like I said I'm going to be saying this a lot during this arc but I, I mean I think regardless of the the specifics of what's going on. I think everybody's been at that point at one point in their lives where they're like, yeah, I'm confused. I don't know, you know, where I'm going in my life type thing. And, you know, I guess the, the, the part you're saying about Bravo being like a dad, you know, I mean, it's like that moment where he just basically says, you know, you, you foolish boy, like nobody knows exactly where they're going to go. You know, like nobody knows exactly who they want to be right away. You know what I mean? You, you're you always refining that and learning that, you know, and, and, and even when you get much older, you're still sort of adding things to your lexicon and defining who you are and who you want to be. So it's like, don't, you know, don't beat yourself up about that because everybody has to go through that. And that's, I guess, that's the most, you know, fatherly advice he can offer him at that point. Yeah, yeah, like, and, and this is actually a good episode for Oren because it does. It, I mean, you're right. It does show a, a little different side of him at points. Instead of just being like, you know, the hard ass who thinks he's the greatest thing in the world, he actually, like I said, he does care. He just wants to see Jonucci make something of himself. Like, you know, we were saying like the whole dad thing. 
he just wants to see his his son grow up to be something, you know, make something of himself. So, you know, that's kind of cool. But after all this lightheartedness, we're going to have to have a little bit of a serious moment, or at least a plot-developing moment. Ryoma, Minato, and Sid are talking about the fact that they've been trying to figure out what DJ Sagara has been up to, and to pretty much no avail. They have not really found out anything about him, and they're getting a little bit annoyed about it. But it's okay, because who shows up but DJ Sagara? And I guess so then DJ Sagara is revealing the whole forbidden fruit thing to the inner cabal. And at this point, and I I don't think I was far off, and I guess it's kind of spoilerific, but my speculation was, I was kind of like, well, if he's revealing that only one person can get this golden apple, I'm kind of like, I bet Coda gets the golden apple before the end of the series. You know, like that's that's kind of where it was leading me that that that's where my mind was going with that one. So, well, you know, I won't spoil anything, but uh, I can say this much that as duplicitous as DJ Sagara has been, the golden apple thing is actually, it's real, really real. You know, we're going to see who actually is able to obtain it. One thing Sagara also shows about his hand is that the overlords are the way to get that golden apple. So yeah, that's again, why this is the overlord arc and not the golden apple arc. Back in the Hellheim Forest, Cody's again trying to contact the Overlords because he, you know, my God, uh, I like that kid, but he he's uh, he's pretty hard headed. But you know, he's a good guy. He can't really fault him. And here comes Kaido, and he, he's like, uh, he, he pretty much is like me. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? <laughs> can't talk to these guys. They're they're like, you know, they're Overlords, and you know, they only listen to you after I, you know, what well, not say I, but after you defeat them, you know. It's yeah, like, they're 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 having that philosophical conflict on how to actually address the overlords, and I mean, for for especially for the one that Kaito's dealt with the most so far, I'd say he's he's in the right, you know, like that guy is not going to listen to reason. So, yeah, and I mean, even if Code is a good guy, it's like, you know, even even there's even been times where Picard, you know, on Star Trek: Next Generation, is like, you know. Yeah, diplomacy is giving me jack shit. I'm just going to have to start using phasers, you know? And, you know, I might have to start busting out some lock seeds here, Coda. But, you know, we'll see how that plays out. I mean, maybe he does talk to him at some point and wins, wins them over. It's, there's so many different things that happen in this show. I don't want to give anything away, so I'm just going to keep giving you red herrings and see which ones you believe and which ones you don't. Ha <laughs> Anyway, this is not about them, though. You silly people. This is about friggin' Chip and Orin. So back at Charmont... <laughs> Yeah, I know. This is totally this is this is the Bashir Jordy LaForge episode of, of Guy pretty much because it's all about Chip. Yeah. And not only and I, I think this is where you get kind of maybe confused, or maybe this happened twice. But instead of just trying stuff on, they're doing a whole drag show. Oh yeah, to yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's where to to like make him more confident. And then the girls all come in and they're just like what the what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is pretty much, again, you know, a big old shot to his ego, his, his pride. So, when in doubt, eat some yummy, 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 yummy fruit. So, he goes to Bando's bar. I would call it a fruit bar. Yeah, fruit bar. Yeah. He and, looks, uh, it's funny, because it's like, it's like that, the whole, it was totally designed to make him feel better about himself. But then when he's in the fruit bar, it's like he's got no wig on, his makeup's all smeared. And he's just like a dude, like, it's like those chicks you would, you would hang out with after prom, like once they didn't care how they looked and like, instead of wearing like 
you know, high heels. They put on the sneakers with the prom dress and like just kind of, you know, just sat there like, you know, with their their coffee or whatever it was, you know, and you're just kind of like, oh, you you don't look as pretty if you're not in a dark, well lit <laughs> environment. You know. if, if, if there's an action figure made of Jonucci at this point, I would call it Walk of Shame Jonucci. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like moon, moons over Miami, Jonucci. Uh, needless to say, he is feeling really bad about himself. And he, he actually t- talks to Coda, which is actually the first time they've actually had, like, an a, a actual serious conversation. Usually yeah. it's just, you know, like, ah, you know, you're stupid. I'll beat you, blah. And, you know, he tells him, you know, he, what he basically told Oren you know, he has no direction now. Once the end of this games are called off, that was his. That was his jam. He he liked Pokemon battles, and you know that's now that that's gone. He's like, I don't know what to do. It's like you said, he's he's having these these crises of you know identity. You know who is he? You know, who is Jonucci? Who is Chip? <laughs> Oren comes in though, and he's he's kind of pissed at Coda though because he he thinks that Coda's filled, filled his mind full of claptrap, as an old man would say. He, Dude, of course. What the fuck yeah. happens in that scene? Like, all of a sudden, the fucking hostess chick pulls out nunchucks and starts fucking nunchucking Bravo in the middle of the fucking store. I'm like, what's going on? This is crazy. Well, yeah, because, yeah, Orin transforms into Bravo and he starts, you know, you know, wrecking up the joint. And her name is Lyo, or Lo, or whatever you want to call her. And yeah, she she's normally just on her iPhone and looks like you know one of those girls who just texts all the time. But yeah, yeah she, she she normally looks like completely disinterested the whole time she's there. But in this case, like I think it, Bravo almost messes up their display or does mess up their display, and now she's like huh, revenge, you know, like or whatever with her fucking nunchucks and shit. Yeah, it's just like what the what? Um, actually, that is kind of a theme in Common Rider. They, they they often have a, a female who, for some reason, at a point will reveal she's more than meets the eye. She's 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 a tough chick, and you don't mess with her. It, it's kind of a thing they do often in the show, and this one I didn't see coming. I you know you think maybe my or you know one of uh, Jonucci's girls, but no, it's the the fucking texting girl in the the fruit shop. So yeah, <laughs> of course this distracts Baron uh, enough for Cody to get out of there. But he he quickly resumes chase and they fight each other. But uh, Bravo basically you know being pissed off because you know he's like you know like you know don't mess with my son. I, I know what's best for him. And you know telling you know Coda's ideas are just you know stupid. Then some invests arrive, and in a weird switch of things, Bravo and Gaim in his Kachidoki arms actually fight together to take out the invest. I, I think this is the first time it sort of dawns on Bravo that the way he was perceiving things wasn't quite up to speed. You know, like, yeah, I think yeah. I think he legitimately did think that these beat rider kids were the cause of all the invest monsters. Kind of like, uh, you brought these here, didn't you? You're like, it is all your fault. And he's kind of like, I'm trying to tell you, old man, like, I did not bring these fucking things here. They open with cracks. What's a crack? You know, like that, that kind of, and it's like, and then finally it's sort of like dawning on him, like, oh, it's these cracks in the sky oh okay like you know but like it's slowly he, he's getting more up to speed with with the rest of the cast so he's not quite as you know quite as ridiculous as he was prior to this episode yeah and Donucci actually even joins in he like decides if he's going to fight you know if he's going to you know he doesn't know what he's going to do with his life 
from here on out, but he knows one thing. He's going to fight now. And he turns into Grydon, and he's, he's all right. You know, he's still not a badass, which I like. I like that, you know, well, he, because he's, he, he, he does okay. Yeah. Well, he definitely saves Bravo. I mean, Bravo's about to get, like, shot in the back or something like that, and he takes the hit for, for Bravo so he doesn't get hurt. So, I mean, he, he clearly makes a, a definitive decision. I mean, if he doesn't know who he is or who he wants to be, he knows, you know, he appreciated his time getting mentored from Bravo enough to save him. You know what I mean? So, like, like he yeah, didn't yeah. make a certain definitive decision at this point in his life it wasn't wasn't all miserable learning to be uh you know a pesetaire or whatever you know what i mean like it, it must have been <laughs> there must have been good aspects to it too if he's going to you know sort of risk his life for for Oren, you know yeah and in a nice little moment Oren actually compliments me he's like you know you, you did good kid you know it's like you uh you, you showed showed me something today and he like carries him away <laughs> piggyback style because that's just that's just how they are. You know, it's, um, it's that whole you know. I'm sure Plato did the same thing for Socrates. So. Exactly, exactly. And they, they, you know, they 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 start talking about this whole business with the cracks and stuff. You know, Danucci uh, filling him in. Back at uh, the fruit bar, Coda actually apologizes to Mai for hiding secrets from her. Again, this is a subtle thing. The subtle thing about this is, is Coda is willing to come forward and say that he had secrets and he was hiding stuff. Whereas Mitchie still isn't. So this is another parallel. It was very subtle. You had to kind of like be like, oh, yeah, Coda's being, you know, up front and being like trying to be honest with her. So, hey, you know, a nice little moment if you if you caught it. They didn't spell it out for sure. It was just like, you know, you had to be like, ah, ah I, I kind of see what you did there. This is where you guys are different. And Oren, after that, Oren is searching around and finds a crack. And the last thing we see before the episode ends is he's going to go through it and figure out what the hell's going on. And he's got that goofy look on his face as he does it. It's like, oh, it's almost like he didn't know that the crack was as deep as it was, or something. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he's, he's he's had that problem many times. Which um, <laughs> sounds kind of funny the way when you say it like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give my rating real quick, just so everybody knows. This this is probably the first episode I gave below average. I'm gonna give it 2.5 pineapples. I mean, I liked it okay, but it's like. It, it's definitely, uh, let me just put it this way. This is not a mythology episode. Like when you watch like X-Files, if you're into like the aliens and the cigarette smoking man and, and, and all that kind of good stuff. And then you get an episode about like, you know, I don't know, a, a disease ridden werewolf who like wears pink underwear or whatever. You're just like, well, wait, wait, hold on. Like this isn't, I know it's weird. I know it's an X-File, but it's not quite doesn't have anything to do with like aliens and shit. So it's like, it's not part of that core mythology, I think. So, so I mean, yeah, okay. It's a nice little diversion, I suppose, but, but I'm not going to say that it's one of my, my favorite episodes. Yeah. This is going to be the series where me and you just don't agree, <laughs> which, is, which, which is of course fine. Yeah. You know? This does not get five it's out like, of five for me. They're, you know? they're like, you're wrong. <laughs> it's like, it's going to turn into like the old uh, weekend update, you know, Jane, you ignorant slut. Um, <laughs> I am an ignorant slut. That is true. Oh, and that, that was me also making a 70s reference for to be, you know, timely. <laughs> it's part of the mythology, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cold mythology. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the guy mythology, as we do those uh, reviews. I will give this a four, though. I'll give it a solid four. And it is only for one reason. If you've been listening, you know that Bravo is one of my favorite characters. Jonucci, I could take or leave. He, he's okay. I don't hate him. There's nothing wrong with him. But yeah, I really like Bravo. He's flamboyant. He's he's 
he's got layers, you know, like, like, you know, Derek said, he could be this tough drill sergeant one moment, the next moment he's picking out, you know, China patterns, you know, he's just that kind of guy. So yeah, this gets a solid four just because not only does Oren have a good showing in this, but he also, this is maybe the start of him being on team guy, you know, being one of the good guys. So, you know, yeah, I had to give it some pretty good ratings. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so that would be episode 25. We're going to keep chugging along, and we're going next to episode 26, because, you know, numbers. The next one is Baron's Genesis Transformation. I'm sure Derek loved this episode. <laughs> yeah. Because, obviously, if you just cannot tell from the title alone, this is heavily about our good friend Kaito. It involves soda. Go, 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 go. <laughs> we'll, we'll reveal what soda... <laughs> Maybe involved later. <laughs> Soda. <laughs> Michi is, of course, listening to Takatora. And, you know, it's interesting because Takatora is actually giving not so much of a bad guy speech now. He's saying that, like, he has a sin. You know, that his sin that he's bearing is one day going to have to, is going to one day fall upon Michi. And he's going to be forced to make a decision as well. It, it's giving the idea that Takatora has done some bad things and he knows he's done some bad things, but maybe he's not a bad guy. Maybe he's doing these things for what he thinks are the right reasons. You know, yeah, well, he, yeah. he, he brings up that whole noblesse of liege thing again, and that it's, it's his burden to, you know, do those, those bad things for the sake of the masses. You know, that's, that's kind of the whole, attitude about it you know and, and that that when you're making those kind of decisions because you know it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the whole you know dark knight returns thing you know where they go into the whole you know he's bigger than than us you know like he's got to make a bigger decision than us and it's, it's the same type of idea you know takatora is basically just saying this, this is bigger than than just you know the the average Joe in the street, and I have to make that decision. And and when you do make a decision like that in the future, Michi, you've got to be resolute. You know you can't you can't have any regrets or whatever. And it, it's kind of interesting because the because of the way things play out. You know, I mean, I guess in some ways he takes his brother's advice, but it doesn't turn out to be too good for his brother. You know, and not to skip over it though, but I, I know we talked about it from the last episode, but. You know, Coda also confessing to Mai about Yuya is a pretty important moment. I mean, it's it's sad, but, you know, it, it's not anything where, you, you know, you may think, oh, she might hate him for, for keeping secrets or she might, you know, go, oh, you killed Yuya and I hate your guts or whatever and kind of react maybe childish-like, but in... in in Mai's case, you know, she does not do that. You know, even though it's a sad moment for the both of them, you know, ironically. Yeah, she realizes it, it, I mean, it's not it, doing it on purpose, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it kind of brings them closer together. You know, she she views it as a burden he was trying to keep to himself so that to spare her and, and everyone else. But now she's kind of cradling him and kind of saying, look, you don't you don't have to do this by yourself anymore. You know, so that's. Well. That's a, you know, to me, I was like, that's a pretty key moment in their relationship there. 
and, and another key moment in our relationship as friends watching this show is now I finally get to be like, I told you so, because here comes Mitchie. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny is 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 I I still don't like this is I I get what you guys are saying. Like I think for me we'll get into it, but my moment doesn't. I, I get what you guys are saying. My moment for kind of writing him off doesn't come until later. But I think, I think from the beginning of this arc, the whole red eye spiral, you know, it, it led him down the dark path where he just couldn't, he, he, once he went down that path, he couldn't stop it, you know, like type thing. And this is, this is clearly, this is clearly a road stop on the way down the dark path, but I, I haven't quite hit the, you know, ding a ling a ling a ling you are on the fucking dark yeah. path. You know, so. yeah, I'll, I'll give you this. This is this is a minor transgression, but it's definitely it's definitely a step. It's a step. It's a step down the the road, which he can't can't get off of. Yeah, in case you're wondering what we're talking about, Mitchie is actually pissed off that Coda had told Maya the truth, you know, in revealing everything. And Maya's like, you know, I'm going to tell the public everything. You know, I want them to know. They deserve to know. Mitchie, however, this is part of him starting his descent a little bit more hastily actually summons Invest against his friends, just so Mai can't reveal things. Kind of a dick move. And Mitchie also is upset with Koda for saying, you know, all this stuff. And he's, he, he, his reasons for being mad are, are kind of interesting. There, there are things you can kind of understand. His actions do not, you know, excuse it. But he's, he's mad because Koda made Mai sad. And But the thing about it is that's a very childish, almost selfish reason. It's like... You know, you made my friend sad because you told her the truth. And it's like, you know, life sucks. And sometimes you need to know the truth. And well, I think I think the difference is I, I think if if you go back to the previous episode where it's all about, you know, Chip or Junichi learning how to be genuine, like part of learning how to do that is to be honest with yourself about your own feelings. And even though Michi is shrewd and cold and calculated and all that other stuff, he, he isn't always honest with himself because if he was, he would have just kind of told Mai how he felt a long time ago, you know, and, and yeah. kind of been upfront about it. But in this case, it's all kind of, you know, buried away and, and then it kind of comes bubbling to the surface in this case. You know, so it's like this, this is where everything just goes pear shaped, as they like to say in the UK. You know, it's just like, it, you know, he, he attacks Coda and is like, what the hell's the matter with you? And it's like, you could have said that to him a long time ago, but, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, that it, it, you know, and then at that point, you know, my kind of freaks out too because he's going a little crazy and she slaps him, you know, and it's just kind of yeah. like that's, that's where it just kind of like there's that disconnect to it where, you know, it, it, it's a very heated moment, but choices are made, and 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 certain trusts and and friendships are broken in that moment. You know, like it's just and and there's yeah, it's it's like unfortunately, like as as simple a moment as that was, it's like you can't. You know, they they try to act like everything's cool. It's like the kids in high school where it's like, oh, I'm still gonna text you tomorrow. Like we'll still be friends. You know, but it's like they're really not gonna be. You know, like it, it's, it's, it's like, like it's like when you you're take, hanging out. You can't take that shit back, you know. So it's kind of like when you're playing around with your friends and you're like, you know, ten, twelve years old, and you're like play fighting, and you know, you're like doing like you know fake kicks and fake punches, and you just lay a haymaker on your friend accidentally, just just knock him fucking down, and you know, he he's like, you know, it's cool, man, it's cool, but it's not cool. 
He's not. <laughs> he's pissed off about it. Yeah, yeah. And no, no, no I'm sorry. He's going to help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's yeah. nothing so, to do about it. That point. Yeah. So I, I think the proper term is well, that just happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we go to the lab though, and Rayoma is actually watching the the footage of Kaido fighting the the Mushu, and he's like, I don't, I don't think we need Kaido anymore. I'm, I'm like, man, I'm not going to dump this guy. Minato, however, is, you know, hey, oh, wait, I don't think so. I think this kid's got something in him. Again, showing, like, again, is it romantic? Who knows? But there's definitely interest from her in Kaito, so we'll, we'll see how that progresses. And Michi arrives. He's like, you know, mm, girl just slapped me. <laughs> well, this is this is like step step two down the dark road, you know. He's, he's going to forge this alliance with Ryoma, you know. Yeah. But the, the main thing out of this, though, is it's decided that Kaito gets a Genesis driver. And Zack, his his former, well, not his former friend, they're still friends, really. He he confronts him, though. He's like, dude, I'm not stupid. Sid, the Loxy dealer, not only is he not in the shop anymore, but even if he is, he we know he's with Yggdrasil. And you don't get Genesis drivers, you know, you know, through Amazon. Well, you can, but they just make noise and you don't turn into anything. So, dude, why, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And Mitchy, you know, meanwhile, has kind of come on into the Hellheim Forest to try to try down overlords. You know, he's trying to do the whole, like, you know, yeah, we're cool, man. Let's, 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 you know, concentrate on the bigger thing. You know, let's, let's, you know, uh, the mission. Here's a mission, you know, so whatever. But basically, you know, he, he, he pretty much sets him up to take a hit so Marika can attack Gaim. And he's about ready to turn Kachidoki arms, and he's going to take her out before checking on Mitchy. But by the time he gets Gaim to leave to uh, find the overlords, Ichi tells Yoko he will handle things from here. He like, basically is like, you know, he's doing his, his, his subterfuge thing. You know, he's like, you know, trying to get Koda to be like, you know, oh, Mitchie's still on our side. He took a hit, you know. He's like, you know, took a hit for me and stuff. But he's also like, you know, letting Marika, you know, know that, like, I'm going to take care of this because I'm taking Koda out. You know, he's like... It's basically to is to reaffirm that he's not on Koda's side right now. I just just I'd like to say as part of my enjoyment of this episode, like Minato or or uh, you know, Marika, you know, like she was uh, dangerous in her uh, Genesis Driver and everything. But at this point in time, you know, Koda being in Kachidochi arms just owns the fuck out of her. Like she is not and is no longer a threat to him. You know, so yeah. that's why when, when she finally comes up and talks to Michi, it's like, oh, you lost. Like, we didn't expect that you would lose, but it's OK. We'll, we'll keep going from from this point forward. But I mean, it, to me, it just illustrates the the level of power that is in Kota's hands at this point. And, you know, in the meantime, you've got the round of two between Kaito and the, the Red Overlord guy. So, yeah, this time Kaito has an ace up his sleeve as he slaps it on and Soda, lemon energy arms. Yes, he is now new generation rider baton, and he is pretty badass. Last time I said Kaito got his wallet handed to him by Demushu, which Derek said I was overstating a little bit. It was a good fight, and it was, but he still got beat. This time, not so much. He doesn't really kick Demushu's ass, but. There's definitely a power upgrade. He 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 puts some good hits on him. He he draws blood. I mean, yeah. 
he slashes his side. He he beats him enough that the guy's like all pissed off and embarrassed in later episodes where he's like, Where's that red one? He yeah, yeah, yeah. hurt he hurt me. He must pay. Yeah, yeah. If you would if you it's basically if this was a boxing match, even though neither guy fell, Baron definitely got the decision. He definitely got more hits in. Baron bit his fucking ear off. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it, it, it was a pretty good fight. Yeah, he 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 seems even more relentless with his limit energy. So yeah, Demushu, Yeah, he 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 gets his he gets his wallet pretty good taken. However, even though he wants to fight more, even though he's he's on the losing side, Radu contacts him telepathically and is like, you know, you know, our leader would not be pleased with this. And it's like, oh wait, these aren't like the biggest bad. There's another, you know. It's like, there's another. The Mushu falls back. He's like, you know, whatever, you know, rather fucking kids. And this leaves Baron to argue with Koda and Ryugan being a dick and really walking that path takes a shot at Koda from behind. Yeah, and, and he, he ruins the whole you cannot hurt people while they're transforming rule because he, he seems to get it at the right just just at the right crux. It's like the, the orange hasn't quite fallen on his head and he shoots him in the back. So like literally he is, he's backstabbing his best friend pretty much at this point. Yeah, exactly. And when I said, I told you so this, this was not me like being like, he, 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 he. I'm just like, Mitchy does go bad. At a point. You, you, you know, what's yeah. funny though. Like, I know this is going to shock everybody, but this is not the moment I was talking about. It doesn't come until later in the arc. And I'll, I'll let people know when I sort of wrote off Michi. But at this point, I'm kind of like, you know what? Like he is, he is selfish, but you still sort of understand. Like he views. See, the the problem is he should have been honest up front. Is that his idea of preserving happiness was to keep my happy, but what ma- would make him happy is to actually have Coda out of the picture, so it can just be him and my. But he never really acknowledges that until just this moment. Do you know what I mean? Because he's actually honest about it. So to me, it's like, okay, he may be a douchebag, but at least he's being honest with himself at this point, because that's really what he wants. And it's not so much about making my happy. It's about him being happy and, and how he facilitates that through these other people, you know, and, and, and I, I guess that's part of the problem. Like you can't really depend on other people for your own happiness, you know, like, and, and that's kind of where he is, even though he's supposed to be this smart, shrewd, calculated, you know, kid. It's like that, that's something that he's, he's sorely lacking in, in terms of being like socially, what what do they call it? Like he's sort of socially retarded in a way, you know, like that, yeah. that uh... he, you know, he, he can't articulate how he feels socially and he awkward. There it is. Yeah, and he, he can't be he can't be honest, you know, with himself. So yeah. as far as like ratings go, I gotta give this one a five. There's just so much revealed. There's the slap, you know, that leads Mitchie down his dark path. I, I, as you're well aware of, our good buddy Justin started this series with us, and Justin hates Mitchie. He hates Mitchie with a, the burning passion of a thousand suns. And me, I hate Mitchie too, but I I hate him because he's a good villain. I hate the character during this arc because he's so good at being like this duplicitous asshole. And, you know, it's like, I hate him, but I love to hate him. If that makes sense. It's like, you know, like, eh, he's a pretty good bad guy. You know, it's like his, 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 his heel turn was well done. 
And also, I have to give it up to Derek's boy, Kaito. He he does really whoop up on Debushu with lemon energy. He he just goes to town. So, very, very cool. And, of course, you also have the big, you know, cliffhanger with Cody getting shot from behind. So, I mean, how could you not love this episode? Yeah, no, I thought this was a good episode. I, I gave it four pineapples because it wasn't, it wasn't quite all, you know, I, I, I'm not really sure what my problem w- with it was. I don't think I had any big problems with it. I enjoyed it like yourself, but I just didn't think it was, it, it was a five. I just was like, this is, this is definitely above average. It's very close to being, you know, top of the line, but it wasn't quite there. Like there, I mean, there, there are some things where I'm, I'm like, I guess maybe it's just the, the impact of the reveal, you know, like where you're like, oh, well, yeah, you guys are right, but I wasn't, there there are episodes where Michi does other things on his road and and those to me are like five episodes you know where it's like oh this is the moment but i i didn't quite it didn't quite reach to me that i mean yeah i know what you're saying like there there are moments that can't be taken back but this is to me is still it's on the road you know they're they're headed in that direction and like you said it's a lot of good setup you know but it wasn't quite a a five out of five for me on the episode. The the one thing I did want to ask you, and and I I guess you can't really answer if it's like super spoily or whatever, but just for the the sake of the listeners, in that opening scene when Mitchy does talk to Takatora, you know, I did have that thought of who the fuck is Takatora talking to? Like he calls them sir, and they're discussing Project Dark, you know. So I was like, there's somebody. I'm like, there's somebody in charge above Takatora in Yggdrasil. Like, I, that's the first time I um, noticed that. And, and so I just, even, even if you can't answer it, cause it'll be super spoilery or whatever. Like, I just wanted to sort of throw that out there that that's something I noticed, you know, for, for our, our listeners where I'm like, hmm, like what, what, you know, to me, I'm like, I wonder what that's in reference to and if it's going to play a, a part in, in later arcs. It's not too big of a spoiler. I don't think I'll be really ruining anything. But uh, actually, Yggdrasil is not just based in Zalami. It's not Takatora's company. It's actually a multinational company, and there's branch offices all over the globe. Yeah, I mean, they they do mention how there's multiple offices in different parts of the world. I just figured, like, Takatora was the head of that branch, but I was I was kind of like, I wonder who, who – at this point, I was kind of like, oh, I wonder who Takatora reports to exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they really make a big deal out of it, so I don't think the reveal is like anything. I don't think it's even really a big reveal. I think it's just like his boss. Okay. So it's kind of like you know he has a boss, but it's kind of like kind of like an angel with a Wolferman heart. They they mention Wolferman heart all the time, but you never really see him that much. You know they don't really know. They're just like my boss. You know they're they're there in in name only. So you know it's kind of that kind of thing. I guess the founding. Lawyers or whatever they call them. Anyway, this is an angel episode though, so screw that. <laughs> screw that noise. Yeah, that, yeah, pretty good episode. Really good stuff. Look on. Soda. Now we're going to move ahead, though. This is the 27th episode of Common Rider Gaim, and this one is ominously titled simply, When You Know the Truth. Ooh. <laughs> this is, yeah, you know, I'm getting serious again. 
we pick up right from where we left off last time. Uh, we're in Helheim Forest, and Ryugan has just shot Gaim in the back. This is Michi shooting his best friend Kona in the back, literally. And, and again, Kaido is such a layered character. Even though you would think he's kind of working with Yggdrasil and he's, like, trying to get more power, he still likes Kota. And not only that, it's not even because he likes Kota. He attacks Michi because he's like, that was a cowardly attack. You know, you're you're a fucking, you know, jackass. You know, <laughs> you know, you know what's funny is when, when Kaido stops him, like, this was the first moment where I was like, oh, like, this is basically, you know how, like, all those episodes leading up to it, because you sort of, sullied Mitchie for me in the the initial view of this where I was like oh I bet he's a slimy little slime bag the whole the whole arc or whatever you know but this was the first moment where I'm like look at that Mitchie scampering away like a little bitch like and I was just like this is that's kind of what I was expecting the whole time because of the way you guys had set up the character for me like that moment where he kind of he just kind of slithers away after you know Coda kind of trash talks him and, and kind of, you know, is like, what the fuck's wrong with you, dude? Like, why, why, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you watch the whole series, you do get a tainted view of certain characters, so it's kind of hard to fight that. But yeah, yeah, I mean, he isn't a dick throughout the whole series. I mean, you know, he, he definitely has a turning point. Coda finally comes to, comes to, you know, he took a good hit, but he, he's not down. And he, he's, he's, he's kind of beat up, though. I mean, he's, he's not, you know, doing great. And he wanders around the Hellheim Forest, and who does he run into but Orin? Yeah, remember when he went into the, yeah, the last bit of that episode? He's still there. And Orin almost ate a Hellheim fruit, because he doesn't know everything yet. He doesn't know the whole deal with this forest and stuff. I, I thought it was kind of cool, though, that, that you know, I know you're going to get into it, but he, he stops himself from eating the fruit, because he, he basically throws it out of his hand, and he's like, you know, remember my training. You know, like, don't don't eat any any, you know, fruits or vegetables or or animals that are unfamiliar to you you know you don't know what you're going to ingest and and he actually it's not you may expect like coda would like zap it out of his hand and be like dude don't eat that but but he actually stops himself which i thought was kind of yeah it's very yeah very in line with the kind of person he is military and you know well-trained coda in kind of a nice little moment it's like, you know, here, have a rice ball. You know? <laughs> he's like, no. <laughs> I like how uh, like he, he refuses it at first because he's like, what, are you going to buy me off with one rice ball? I'm like a highly paid assassin. Like I, I, I don't work for a mere rice ball. Yeah. <laughs> That's a cute little moment. He's got, he's got his pride, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm more spitted than a rice ball. I cook a shower, but now anyway. <laughs> However, he is lost, and he does follow Kota to the Yggdrasil's corporation crack. I think we've, hopefully we've established this, but the crack at Yggdrasil Tower is always open. It is never closed, and that's how, if you're lost in Helheim, if you know where that is, you can always get back to the real world. So I, I don't know if we established that, but yeah, that's one of the reasons why they keep going back to Yggdrasil, not just for plot convenience. They go there, and, and mainly Orin wants to go to Yggdrasil because that beautiful light-armored rider seems to live there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the beautiful white armored rider, we get a sexy shower scene with Takatora, and then we get to see like his wounds and everything, and it leads to like a flashback, sort of explaining how he got those wounds, you know, in the initial testing with the lock seeds, and and basically it, it sort of shows you the moment where him and Ryoma sort of 
became divergent, you know, because Ryoma thought yeah. he was like sharing something special with him. And he basically, you know, I guess that's the point where you see the good man that Takatora is, where his his main goal is to save as many people as he humanly can, you know, with his specific plan, you know, and, and I think Ryoma is more about himself, you know, he's, he's always been kind of selfish in, in a way like Michi is. I mean, I guess that's why they kind of, be, you know, form an alliance because because they do have that that kind of self centered nature in common. You know, that sort of yeah, spoiled that, almost nature. You know, that the the sort of spoiled brat like this belongs to me type thing. Yeah, they have similar goals, making them making both themselves happy, <laughs> basically. Yeah, Tactor is like having like a moment of reflection, and you know, he's like, I want to see if my company even has the resources to. And this is so depressing when you really think about it to save the remaining seventh of the human population after this all goes down. <laughs> it's like, wow, only a seventh of the human population will, will live after this whole... This is with Project Dark and everything else. Ugh, depressing. No time for that, though, because him and Ryoma are loaded that there's an invest attack on the research camp again. You would think they would have pulled that research camp out. But anyway, Cody and Oren arrive, but they find that Zangetsu and Kuro, the Kurokage troopers, the, if you remember, those are like the stormtrooper, Dale troopers. They're doing a pretty good job of holding off the invest. And Demushu is there because he's, of course, really pissed off about getting uh, wounded by Baron. And Bravo and the Kurokage troopers protect the camp. And Gaim, for a chance, gets a chance to talk to Zangetsu. You know, Zangetsu did, well, Takatora, did reveal to Koda what was going on. But, like, it seems like Koda kind of trusts Takatora now, you know? Well, they, they, they kind of reveal to each other. I mean, at least Koda gets to reveal to him, like, look, this is an overlord. And, you know, this is this is it. And the first time the overlord attacks Takatora, he's like, what? This dude can talk? Like, he's got a sword? Like, I've never seen an invest like this before. So this is the first time he's encountered it. And when Koda explains exactly what he is, that he's an overlord, you know, then, then it forges... Uh, you know, a brief modicum of trust between the two. And, and as our buddy Mike would like to say at this point, there is a literal, like, rival fusion between Kota and Takatora against that overlord, you know, because that overlord, like like I was talking about in the previous episode, he's still butthurt that his his side, his abs got slashed by <laughs> Kaito. And he's like, where's that red one? God damn it, give him up, and then I'll leave you guys alive, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, they, they work together. I mean, I should mention this is Angetsu Shen. This is his powered-up form. They do a pretty good job, but the, the Overlord is still powerful. And Bravo, of course, because he loves the beautiful white armored rider, takes a hit meant for Takatora. And he's about to, to lay waste. But again, Ridu is, like, you know, called back from a from – a, not that Ridu, but Demushu is called back because – Overlord leader wants them wants him to return to the ruins, and and when we say the leader, that's right, we get to know who the leader is. I cannot say his name for shit. Rosiel, Rosiel, I don't know. He's he's even my avatar for this chat me and they're having. He's creepy as hell looking. He he's white and wow. Anyway, he he is told to return to the ruins, and then they're gonna follow after them. But then. Instead, I guess Sid does this like sneak attack on yeah, Kota, yeah. you know, and then and then at that point it's like Takatora's like, look, like leave him alone, like we're 
we're in the middle of this cool-ass rival fusion. Stop fucking shit up, you Krillin wannabe. And then Sid's like, well, you told me to kill him, you know? And, and then they get into a big fight, you know, because Sid is obviously, like, you know, nipping at his master's heels, you know? Like, he's he's trying to bite the hand that feeds him, I think, at that point. And, and, and then, like, basically what, what we were talking about before, you know, it, it, certain things come to bite Takatora in the ass because he surrounded himself with all these treacherous people. So at this point, you know, Ryoma, I mean, that's, that's kind of how the episode ends. Ryoma basically announces or declares, like, I think it's time for Takatora to go. Like, I think it's time for us to take him out because now he's becoming a nuisance to, you know, what, what I want, you know? So, so I think it's time for him to go. Ryoma is like, you know, yeah, we're done. We're, we're good. We don't need this guy anymore. Very callous. Ryoma is is just he, he doesn't see anybody as important if they don't suit his goals. They, the, the human lives are pretty much disposable to him. So if you're if you're not a clean Kleenex, I don't want anything to do with you. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, uh, this was a pretty good episode. I'm going to give it a slightly above average. I want to give it a three and a half pineapples. It wasn't quite a four. It was really close. But I think the only reason I didn't really get into it was because it just it was like Derek said about that, that episode he didn't like go all fives on. It wasn't a bad episode. There's nothing really wrong with it, but there's just a disconnect a little bit for me of me going for a higher rating. I mean, as far as everything that happens is really entertaining and stuff, but I think because the last episode was so entertaining for me, this one kind of felt like it was slowing down a little bit. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I, I didn't give it a 3.5, but I gave it a four pineapples. I think it's it's definitely above average. I mean, I really do enjoy the whole, you know, that that's why I brought it up. But I did like the idea that I, I don't think I saw that coming. Like, I, I, I kept thinking that, that Takatora and Koto would continue to have rematches and fight against one another. So I, I think that threw me for a curve. I didn't see you know, them having a rival fusion coming. So that was kind of like a nice surprise. And I actually enjoyed that progression of their rivalry, you know, like, so I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I, I did really enjoy that aspect that they're going to, you know, team up and stuff like that. And that there's there's that brief moment of trust, you know, even the whole they, they shake hands and shit, you know, like that. that I kind of like that. I dug that part of it and everything, you know, and even even, you know, Bravo, in some sense, he gets to complete some of his arc, you know, he, he takes a hit for Takatora, so, like, he, he sort of fulfills some of his, you know, his hopes and dreams, I suppose, in a weird twisted kind of way, <laughs> you know, so I was like, oh, that's kind of cool for him, you know, and, and, and I guess I'm, I'm happy to be at least starting to be on the same page as the rest of you guys, that I get to see, you know, slithery, scampering Michi, you know, like that, and, and I dig, I dug, you know, the, like you said, Kaito is super layered, and, it's nice to see him basically, you, you know, it's, it's that thing of where you, you think somebody who is all apocalyptian, you know, where it's like, I am the strongest, you know, like whatever, yeah. doing the, the apocalypse Darwinism thing. You, you think he would not take his buddy to the hospital. You think he would let Michi, you know, shoot Koda when he's unconscious, but he views that as weakness. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're yeah. that, if you're that fucking cowardly and slimy, like you're obviously not a strong person. It's like you can't even face me head on. So just, you know, t- 
tuck your leg between your tail and, and, and just, you know, run away from me while you still can, you know, type thing. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed all that kind of stuff. So I, I give it a four pineapple. I will reveal something for you, Darren, that I forgot to mention in the last episode. I thought you might like this. Uh, Kaito actually became Lemon Energy. He got the Genesis driver due to the fact that he had such overwhelming popularity with the fans. It was a running change made during the series by the producers because they're like, damn, people love Kaido. Let's give him Lemon Energy. <laughs> oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah it, yeah, it it is noticeable because I guess that that armor, I mean, basically it is Ryoma's armor, but done up as Baron, right? I mean, it is kind of like the same crest yeah. and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they 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 didn't go cheap on it, but they were like, okay, we have this extra armor. We could just paint it bare in colors, and it'll be a good upgrade. <laughs> you know, one of, the, one of the extra ones we have for Ioma. But yeah, very, very, very solid episode. Not, nothing wrong with it at all. Look on. As, as we chug along in the Overlord art, we're going to come up to episode 28. And this one has a very ominous title. And what could it possibly mean? Because there's a lot of ways this could go. The Betrayal of Zengetsu. Takatora, no! Why are you going to turn into an asshole? So that's what's going to happen? <laughs> Basically, Koda tries to hunt down Demushu. Doesn't have a lot of luck, so he decides to go back to Zawami. And, you know, before that, he goes, uh, tells him that Takatora has sided with Michi, has sided with them, and Michi is like, you know, kind of not happy with that. You know, he's like, why is my brother helping Koda? You know, like, well, he's also trying to figure out why he knows that Takatora is his older brother. And yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all he knows is Takatora's first name, and he's like, there's so much confusion. It's not like he told me his last name or anything. And so, again, Michi is not coming clean at this point. You know, he, he's not going to be like, oh, by the way, I shot you in the back, and that guy's my older brother, and I've been spying on you guys. He's like, he doesn't tell him any of that. So he's just kind of like, oh, okay then. Uh, it, it's kind of funny. We have an interesting little scene after this. I guess they, they thought that, like, Coda had been dealing with too much superhero stuff, and they kind of wanted to throw in a little bit of the Peter Parker luck again. His sister is actually pretty cool with him being Dime now. He's like, you know, she's like, you're doing something important, so it's okay you don't have a job. Just do what makes you happy, you know, which is really cool of her. But Coda's like, no, I'm going to get a job. And womp womp, he loses all his resumes when he's forced to deal with the invest. I thought that was kind of a nice little, like, call back to the old school Coda, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then and then to me I was like, you know, when he's he's screaming out like, My resume Like <laughs> and I'm like I'm like and not only did I think it was like funny, but like again, like I said, I'm gonna say this a lot throughout this arc, but I was like, We've all been there. Like we've all been trying to like hunt for jobs and and, and have shit like that happen to us where you're like, No, come back, resume, come back you know. So I was <laughs> like, I, I I we can yeah, I, I think it's apt you mentioned Peter Parker because you know, that that is an everyman moment. It's like everybody's gotta go out and, and kind of put some some bread on the table type thing, you know. So it's like that that kind of is the impetus for Coda to do that. He's like, Yes, you know, my sister's understanding of it, but you know, it, it's like, you know, obviously she's 
she's kind of hard up at this point trying to support them both. So he's, he's, he's trying, you know, at least he's trying, you know, and then, you know, in the meantime, it's like, there are all these invests that show up while he's job hunting. So of course he's got to take care of that first, you know? So it's just yeah, exactly. things that, that is the old, it's like the old Kota luck, you know, the old Parker luck. It's like, I'm trying to be responsible. I'm trying to get a job, but you know, green goblin keeps, you know, getting in, in the way, you know, there, there's muggers, there's invest, there's whatever, you know, and it, it messed up my, my plan to be responsible, you know, because I've got this other responsibility hanging over my head. Yeah. But much like Peter Parker, he does catch a break every once in a while. And Coda actually does get a part-time job. He's uh, now working at Benda's fruit stand. Well, fruit bar. So I like, I like, I like how it's like tailor made. It's like, it's like must help with the fruit bar, must clean up this and that and must protect Zawame. And it's almost like, (laughs) Oh, thank you. Like he's like crying and like, you know, hugging him and everything. I thought that was, yeah. like, that was, that was a nice little moment. Like, Bando, Bando's a good guy, you know? Like, you can't, you can't help but love Bando and, and Drooper's the fruit bar out of all that. It's like, Bando and Drooper's remind me of all those kind of great entrepreneur type characters, but they all have, like, a heart of gold, whether it's, like, you know, like, Mad at the Peach Pit and 90210, or, you know, Max in Saved by the Bell, or, you know, uh, you know, I guess in Power Rangers, you know, it'd be Ernie, you know, and stuff like that. But just like, yeah. you know, it's a like friendly guy and everything, right? you know, somebody, you know, in this case, somebody who, who gets Kota a job, you know, so it's like, you know, it, it, it's almost like he's if, if we're going to go back to the Peter Parker analogy, you know, Bando is like his Robbie Robertson, you know, the kind of adult authority figure per se that that has, you know, more of a position of power in, you know, a community type business that can offer him, yeah. you know, a Looking job out for him. Yeah. 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 Kind of being a, a, an adult mentor type guy for him. So that I, I thought that was nice. Yeah. yeah. But, but enough feels, unfortunately, even though it was a pretty cool moment because we go back to Helheim and the Mushu is actually being punished for attacking the outsiders. You get the idea that maybe I'm just going to call him the overlord leader because you know, you know what I, you know what I called him? Cause of course, like, like you, I didn't want to pronounce his, his full name, but I, I just was like, Big Daddy Silver. <laughs> that's, that's what I called him, you know, because he's like boss and shit. So I was like, yeah, it's, yeah. Big, it's Big Daddy Silver overboard. <laughs> well, we'll call him Big Daddy Silver. I, I'm, good, I'm good with that. But yeah, he, uh, he, he apparently did not want their presence revealed. You know, he was wanting to kind of stay in the shadows a little bit longer. Michi and Kaido are still in the forest, though. And Michi, again, being, I don't know, crazy eyes. He's trying to kill Kaido because he doesn't want Kaido to tell Koda that, you know, he tried to kill him. He's still trying to keep this on the down low since Koda survived. You know, if he had killed Koda, whatever. But since he survived, he's like, don't fucking tell him. And then we have a weird turnaround because Kaido's like, listen, I don't like you. You know, you know you're an asshole. But uh, I'm not going to tell Koda. I have no reason to tell Koda. And well, You know what else, though? His, his rationale for not doing it, though, isn't that he's trying to be secretive or mean his rationale is he's not going to fucking listen to me anyway so what's the yeah he won't believe point? it yeah. he'll he'll deny it and he'll stick up for you and it'll just be a big pain in my ass so it's like i there's no point in me doing it you know you know speaking of all this spider-man peter parker comparison stuff like for for my note on nietzsche at this point like and, and now i feel like he's He's got that that Osborne disease, you know. It's like that whole Harry Osborne, like, <laughs> God damn it, like, w- w- 
why does my dad like Peter more than me thing? Because it's like now he's he's officially jealous not only of Kota for for sort of having the affection of Mai and the Gaim dance troupe and all this other shit, but now it's like even Takatora is kind of like you know I've got hope now because of this Kota guy. Like I see why you like him. I see why everybody rallies around him because he's now given me hope as well, and that even makes him you know more twitchy red-eyed you know it's like you can you can you can see he's again it's all this bottled up bullshit that that's that kind of stuff that eventually explodes and and it's like you can see like that's i don't know like i don't want to get too deep into it and and compare it to real world things but 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 i mean it does remind me of real world situations where people bottle up all this shit and you can see eventually they they explode because they're they were head cases you know the whole time and they were just waiting for this opportunity yeah. to unleash their full on crazy and you can see like at this point like that's that's you know again he's still walking down that dark road and and part of it is cuz he's got that crazy mindset that somehow his brother loves Kota now more than him which is fucking ridiculous but you know that's that's the notion he he stuck in his head you know which you know, unfortunately, that that creates further tension down the road. I, I also really like Kaido in this moment, though, because he's just bluntly honest. He's like, I don't like you. You're, you know, you're, we're not friends. But I'm just not going to tell Kota because he's not going to believe me. He like he, he does no secrecy. He does no, like, you know, duplicity. He's like, I'm not going to tell him because we're, like, you know, allies. I'm just not going to tell him because he's not going to believe me. And that's just who Kaido is. He's just. He he is actually a big believer in truth, believe it or not. You know, he, just because he likes power doesn't mean that he's a lying son of a bitch. So, well, there's that. There's truth, but he's also very pragmatic about it. He's like, yeah, yeah. I, why would I waste my breath if if someone's not going to listen? You know, so it, yeah. it, it, it it seems to be just pragmatic, uh, along with being sort of brutally honest. Yeah, exactly. Kind of going to what you were saying, we go back to the Yggdrasil Tower, and Taktor is holding a meeting. He's like, you know. After talking with Coda, he's like, we're going to try to find a way to hunt down the Everlords instead of doing Project Ark. And, you know, and this is the moment you're talking about. He's telling Mitchie, you know, how Coda restored his hope for the future. You know, <laughs> and, you know, he's like, Mitchie, yeah, he's getting all twitchy eyed again. Monado or, um, I, I forget her name too, um, Peachy Arms. But Mar- Marika, and, right? Marika, uh, yeah. Marika. You're doing better. Yeah, I, yeah I'm uh, trying to do better. I, I always forget to. Well, actually, her, her her real name is Yoko Minato, but her armored form is Marika. Trust me, I get confused, too. But her and Sid uh, go to the Hellhound Forest to search for overlords. But Zangetsu, well, they all go, by the way. And Zangetsu is attacked by Sigurd and Marika. Yeah, it's, and, like, it's like Etu, Sid, you know? It's like it's like they all start betraying him and everything, which kind of sucks. Dude. So it's all, uh, yeah, it's all bad news at that point. Well, as far as Sid goes, you're not really surprised. But Marika is kind of surprising. You would like be like, hmm, I thought she would at least be somewhat loyal. And Ryoma arrives. And this is actually a cool thing because this is stated, um, I looked this up, it's stated this is the first time you actually see Ryoma turn into his armored form. Because beforehand, he just showed up as Kamen Rider Duke. And every time he's been around, he's just been Kamen Rider Duke. And he never transforms out or transforms in. And you actually get to see him transform for the first time. Yeah. He keeps talking to her from escaping. And, you know, talk to her, is like, shit, everybody I was, like, in bed with has kicked me out of the bed. <laughs> and, you know, he's like, but Michi is still there. He's like, Michi, you know, tell, you know, report the treachery to the higher-ups, you know, and help Coda, you know. And he gets knocked off a cliff. 
Well, th- this is the point that, that I was referring to earlier. This is the point where I, I'm not upset. I'm not angry, but uh, I guess just as Michi is accused of being cold and calculated in this very scene, you know, Sid goes, man, you're a cold one. You just watched your brother fucking die and get knocked off a cliff. And, and at that point, like, I, I see why you guys don't like Michi, but I'm not going to waste my energy hating his guts. It's almost like, oh, you're going to betray your own blood. Like, well, then now kind of like Kota, it's like, it's that realization Kota has. It's like, you're my enemy. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're capable of doing that, you're my enemy. You know, like, so, and, and at that point, I was just kind of like, this is, this is the point where I've sort of, I, I had an open mind to Michi going into this. And, and I was willing to be sensitive to certain things. But this is basically, to me, like, it doesn't matter what the end result with Takatora is or will be. But this is the point where I'm like, he's past the point of no return. I mean, it's like, that's, you know, basically at this point, it's like, oh, he's dead to me. You know, like, he's, he's not a like, you know, like, in other words, if he was supposed to be a likable character, like, he's not supposed to be anymore. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is this is this is definitely a big turning point. Like the other ones were like, you know, like, the other things like like I don't know if if you could have turned back by that point, but but this is this is like full on like you know basically he just watched a bunch of guys murder his brother and 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 the the insinuation really is that that's part of his plan, you know, like yeah. I mean he he set up a plan with Ryoma. He's like you got to follow my. You know, I'll, I'll give you the location of the overlords if you follow my rules to the letter. And so you, you must think that him obtaining Zangetsu belt, you know, the Zangetsu arms is part of that plan, you know, to to I mean, he cares so much about removing Coda from his life that he's also going to remove his brother. I mean, if that's not repressed, crazed bullshit from the very first episode where his brother was telling him to go study. Well, you don't tell me to study. You know, if that's not that, then I, I don't know what is. So it's like, I, I guess I understand why you guys, like, look back at the early episodes and go, what an asshole, you know, without even yeah. giving him a chance, you know. So, so yeah, I can, that, that, that does happen. Rayoma's little cabal is like, you know, yeah, Takator is done. He, he's, he's gone. He's dead. And Mitchie does indeed take his brother's Genesis driver and Melon Energy Seed and becomes the new Zangetsu Shin. What a dick. <laughs> you know what I do want to say, though, which which I really enjoyed about this episode is there's this very kind of sad moment. You know, it's like I, I grew to like Takatora as a character. I enjoyed the character. And at this point, I'm thinking, oh, man, they killed him. Like, that sucks. Like, what a shitty way to go out. Like, you were betrayed by people you surrounded yourself with that you had some semblance of trust with. Like, I go, that that really sucks. So I'm like sitting there feeling sad, but then immediately I'm laughing about fucking drink refills because they cut back to droopers and, and Kaito's kind of having fun with Kota being in his new, like, you know, uh, you know, server yeah. job over at the fruit bar. You know, and he's kind of like, my drink is not filled, you know, clink, clink, clink. There's an interesting plot point before that, though. Kota actually finds out that there is no one named Takator working in New Brazil. Dun dun dun! I just thought they scrubbed the records after they. Yeah, yeah, out. well, yeah. That, that that's what's that's what's implied. But like you know, that's for Coda to be like, what the fuck is going on? I know Takatora. He works there. That's like the the first inkling of like you know 
something's rotten in Denmark, you know, it's like, what's going on here? But yeah, you're right. Kaido and Kota are having their little exchange, you know, Kaido's having much fun with us, but he's like, you know, like, you know, I gotta go. Like Kota's like, I gotta go. I gotta make a delivery. And who's there but Michi? But he's not Michi. He's then gets to Shin, and he gives no indication that he's Michi. Dun, 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 again. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he's playing it like he's Takatora, and Kota's kind of like, hey, what's up, Takatora? I haven't seen you in a while. Like, what, what's going on? And then he attacks, and he's like, why are you fighting me and everything? And then, of course, Kaido has followed him to the, the fruit delivery or whatever. And, you know, so that's, you know, and then, of course, they start fighting, and and, and you know, Kota's kind of like, why do we have to fight? And there's this kind of cool scene where he, he, he transforms into Kachidochi arms to sort of get between, you know, the, the Baron Lemon and the, the Zangetsu armor and everything. So I thought, I thought that was kind of a cool little sequence. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, you know, secretive of Michi, you know, playing like this whole role of Kagatora just to, the only reason is to put doubt in Kota. He wants like Kota to be like, why, why is this guy who I thought was cool with me not cool with me anymore? Well, like, it, it's almost like now it's like that crazed obsession because now he literally, like, I mean, he's starting to become like an Arkham Asylum level bad guy because it's like, you know, basically as the arc continues, he'll he'll constantly repeat this mantra. It's like, why do my plans, like, I have these really good plans and right at the end somebody gets in the way, you know, and it's like yeah. very, like, crazy, like, why can't I kill you, you know, thing yeah. or whatever, you know, like, exactly. type thing. And you're just like, oh, well, if he's at that point, like, clearly he's lost his fucking marbles, you know, if he ever had them to begin with. Yeah, Kaido does come in to, to help out. But Koda, you know, he Koda being that guy, he turns into Kachidoki arms, and he's like, you know, what's the fuck, the fuck, you know, calm down. And he's like questioning Zangetsu Shin, who he believes, again, is Takatora. And Michi, as Zangetsu, just doesn't say anything. And the only thing he does is he summons a bunch of invests and he, like, takes off. They take out the invest, you know, pretty easy. They were just a diversion. And Kaido, like, he doesn't lay it out bluntly. He doesn't just tell him because he said he wasn't going to because there's no point. But he's like, you shouldn't trust everybody so easily. And just be careful who you think are your friends. Yeah, you know, it's uh, like uh, yeah, yeah. He definitely, he definitely lays down the warning when he says that. He's kind of like just because you, you, you're so trusting, and you know, he basically says this is your fault. Like you're trusting of this Takatora guy, and now he's going to stab you in the back. It's like even the people you surround yourself with, I wouldn't be so generous with your trust because they may also stab you in the back. Speaking of being stabbed in the back, <laughs> dun, dun, <laughs> dun. back at Brazil, back at Wayne Manor, Rambo's. Feeling pretty good about himself. He's like, got rid of Takatora. Mitchie's on my side. He's in my pocket. We 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 got this shit under control. But Sid wrecked up his joint. Fucked it's up like his all mouth. of a sudden the, the alarm. It's like, what's going on? And then yeah, exactly. Sid's sitting there like a pig in shit, all happy with himself that he he basically closed up that huge tree we were talking about earlier. That is the 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 main freeway to Helheim from the Yggdrasil Tower. You know that main huge spiritual tree he's blown up everything and the crack in that tree is slowly closing and i guess his reasoning for doing that is he's like well now that takatora is out like my main competitor for this mythical you know golden apple thing that is going to be a godlike power you know it's like i i'll get the head start on the search for it and get it before any of you idiots and of course it's like god damn you sid 
Yeah, and, and trust me, I actually do know what I'm doing sometimes. I didn't mention the uh, crack being the only way in and out of Helheim that was permanent for no reason, guys, in the last, <laughs> last recap. <laughs> there was a method to my madness. I wanted you to remember that. <laughs> as far as this one goes, I, I got to give it a five. The betrayal is just good. You know, the, everything that's going towards this is good, and Michi pretending to be Zangetsu Shen is really well done because Koda totally falls for it. He, he knows no other way. You know, he's like, this is, this was once my ally. Now he's my enemy. And, and then Sid being an asshole and being like, I, I, I want the damn golden fruit. Fuck you guys. I mean, I got rid of the real Zangetsu. I don't give a shit about this bitchy kid. It just is like betrayal after betrayal after betrayal. Yeah. I, I really like this as well. I, I give it four pineapples, but I think we're, you know, we're pretty close in the ratings and, and our enjoyment of the episode. I did, I did really enjoy it and everything. I thought there were lots of good character moments and then, you know, good philosophical fights and then, and then some good coming to blows. Although it, it doesn't, I, I don't think the fight is fully realized. I think, I think that was a little more of a, you know, a cock tease, you know, it's like, it, it, it's a, a skirmish at best. It was a good skirmish, but. It, it sort of peters out toward the end there. Lock on! Now we're on to episode 29. This one is called Big Daddy Silver. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> Big Daddy Silver, yeah. <laughs> this one is actually called the Overlord King. And guess who gets a lot of time in this one? That would be probably Big Daddy Silver, I'd imagine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is the 29th episode. Dun dun dun! Derek, you get to be happy. Takatora yeah, did not die. Yeah. Like, hey, Takatora's still alive. He survived like a four thousand foot fall, but he's okay. Woo! Yeah, he, he, he's a tough son of a bitch. I give him that. However, Takatora's just not having a good week because he's approached by the Overlord leader, Big Daddy Silver's there, and he's like, you know, Big Daddy Silver has a very interesting voice. All the other Overlords, they kind of have like you know, kind of standard bad guy voices. I hate to say it, but I mean, it, it is a teen show, you know, it's like, you know, but this guy's just like, you know, it was like just this deep, ominous voice, and it's like, very, very, very impressive. I like, I don't know, that's just one of those, like, nice little touches, you know, I like his commanding voice. While this, you know, is like, again, like a cliffhanger at the beginning of the show is like, you know, oh, who's this? You know, Koda, Michi, and Kaido are contacted by Ryoma because Ryoma is losing friends pretty quick here, or at least associates. He doesn't really have friends. He has associates. And he's like, Sid betrayed me. I need you to help me and track him down. <laughs> well, yeah, because <laughs> since they can't access Helheim anymore, the only, because the only, he, he, not only did he closed down the Yggdrasil spiritual tree that had the main crack into Helheim, he destroyed all their vehicle locks. And those were the, you know, the vehicles that, you know, I constantly make fun of because they're pink grapefruit, cherry, whatever they are, looking fruity bikes, and, and they make these portals that can ride. Yeah, but yeah, Helheim. they're the only way to get and, to Helheim. And, now, and yeah. so the only people now that have those are, are Baron, Michi, and, and Kota. Yeah, so, you know, it's like, you know, like, eh. And, you know, he mentions that, you know, it's like, he actually is up front. He's like, you know, Sid went to Helheim and he destroyed everything. 
help. <laughs> you know, it's like you never see you don't see Rayoma in a position of weakness very much, and this is the point where he's definitely like, you know, he's got a big wrench thrown in his plans, and he's like not happy about it. Michi gets a message on his phone while they're talking about this, you know, situation. And Kaido leaves a search for Sid by himself. He's like, fuck this. And, you know, it's really funny because I, I love this kind of, it's not breaking the fourth wall, but it's kind of a nod to the viewers. He's like, you know, yeah, because I imagine Mitchie will tell us uh, to all split up when we go search for him. <laughs> well, yeah, he's like, we might as well split up now. Well, I, I think that's more of a knock on that he knows that, she's a douchebag now, you know. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, yeah, he's yeah. basically he's not he's not he's not hinting at it. He's straight up saying it in his own way, you know. So. Well, yeah, but I think it is kind of a nod to the viewer because the viewer knows that Mitchie's an asshole, but Coda doesn't. So he's like, you know, right. that little sly, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Tuckatory, you know, he he gets his marbles together. You know, he's he's getting out of the fuzzies. And Big Daddy Silver is like, you know. And you have this Harvest Sengoku driver that Redu found. And it's like, he has, a, he has a driver now, so that's pretty cool. He's, God, I'm going to fuck up this name horribly. Wait, I think uh, I think I wrote it down, right? He, he says who the descendants of the old Helheim forest were. Like, I, I wrote down, it's it's Fem Shinmu is what they're named, I guess. So uh, Yeah, very close. Uh, I think it's Femu Shinmu. Oh, Fenushimu? I don't know. I wrote it down. I, I mean, yeah, I'm pronouncing it funny. Dude, seriously, after we get done with this whole series, I'm sure there's going to be, like, one guy could like, um, hey, actually, um, Tony, you have incorrectly <laughs> pronounced every name during this whole series. Uh, you should burn in hell, and I hate you, and uh, Transformers. Dude, um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to be like, we're going to be like, dude, we totally pronounced Big Daddy Silver just fine. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Yeah, basically, Big Daddy Silver does kind of relate the story of the people. And, you know, they claim the forbidden fruit. And using creative society, this is going to sound really familiar to some of us, where yeah. the strong prey on the weak. And, unfortunately, this led to the downfall of their entire civilization. And he's like, mankind is not worthy of this because they will do the same fucking thing. And unfortunately, if you're, you know, watching this show, the first name that comes up in your head is Kaido. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there's that, you know, because he, he and the, the Red Overlord seem to have a lot in common. And, and I, I, I tended to think of it as not so subtle color coding and, and explaining. And even, even Big Daddy Silver, when he's explaining to Takatora what had happened, he, he kind of explains how he was trying to be the the glue that held everything together but because all of his people fought amongst themselves it, it wasn't so much that they lost their world because they couldn't plan for it it's because they were so busy fighting over power that the world turned into the Helheim forest while they were fighting over stuff and you're just thinking well what just happened to Takatora you know they were fighting over shit while they should be working together to you know, save Earth, you know, basically. And so so to me, I, I, I thought it was not so subtle color coding where you're like, oh, Big Daddy Silver is this giant white overlord. And I'm like, well, who does he remind you of the most? To me, it was Takatora. You know, like he seemed to be parallel to Takatora's story. He's trying to be the leader, trying to, you know, he even says you're the monkey who's in charge of all these other monkeys, right? Like, let's have a sit down and, and talk with one another because we're probably you know, the the head monkeys on both our planets or whatever, you know, and we can 
we can sort of break bread with one another type thing. And, and that's why he shares that story with him. And then meanwhile, he's got the, the, the red overlord. It's a lot like Kota. And, you know, I suppose we'll see this in, in later in the arc, but I might as well just bring it up now, which is why I was surprised. You, you said that the, the green overlord was a girl, but it's more treacherous and kind of slimy and everything. And I thought (laughs) Michi is, is the parallel for that one. You know, he's trying to obtain power and get the golden apple and be all sneaky about it and, and doesn't want to dirty his own hands. So that, that, I mean, those are who I was immediately reminded of. And it, yeah, to parallels, like literally there's, you know, and they've got the little purple earrings or whatever that, you know, it's like all very color coded and they're, I mean, they're clearly trying to, you know, show you like, this is a road you could end up going down. And then all that's going to be left is, you know, those three guys like fighting amongst themselves and everybody else around them is going to die if you don't get your shit together. You know, if you, if yeah. you didn't have someone like Coda around basically. Yeah, and it's not hard to imagine that, like, just because they live in Zawama and they have Rayoma to make these really nice little lock seeds that could turn their their powers into armored riders, these guys probably just ate the fruit and they're able to maintain their personalities and stuff, but they just became these these monstrous, you know, individuals. Yeah, I just threw that at you. Didn't think about that, did you? Yeah, I didn't. I I didn't think about that actually. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes I have deep thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, the armor riders come into the uh, Helheim forest, and damn, what about that Kaido? He knows Ryugan really well. He knows Michi just just perfectly, and he's like, "We're just split up." <laughs> <laughs> well, that 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 text though that that Michi got that he played off was actually a text from Sid. So now yeah. you've got like the whole you know super villain team up thing going on between Michi and Sid, you know, and and their plan is you know, oh well, Sid will keep Baron busy while Michi pretends to be Takatora again and, and tries to take out Koda. Yeah, Michi goes back to the human world. Him and Sid meet up. They make their little plan, and they're like, okay, let's do this. In the forest, the guy is running around in Jimber Peach to look for Sid, and he hears Michi asking for help. And he says he was attacked by Zangetsu Shin. Again, planning that seed of doubt that Zangetsu's an asshole, even though Michi is said asshole. This is when, the problem with when you have a super hearing but no no microscopic telescopic vision. Yeah, yeah but right before Gon gets there, Michi obviously transforms into Sangetsu Shin, and he's like, you know, like, ha ha, I have you, you know, like, doesn't say anything because he, you know, if he says anything, he'll give away his, like, you know, his his card. But he does, you know, pretty much lay it out that you know he's like, I'm here to fight you. And while this happened, as you said, Derek. Sid is taking care of Baron, at least distracting him enough so he can't help. Gaim turns into limited energy arms, and Baron, because he's got his nice power upgrade, doing a pretty good job against the GERD. Like, like the limited energy really gives Kaido a pretty good edge. You know, Sid's like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> damn. Gaim actually is doing really well against Zangetsu, and I, I, I totally credit this to one thing. Zangetsu Shin is a very powerful lock seed. The, the melon energy is a very powerful lock seed. But I, I was going to say this earlier when we were talking about the Suika, the watermelon arms. Those are just drones. They, they were just armor with no one in them, or at very most, the Kurokage troopers. It doesn't matter how powerful your, your form is if you don't have the skill. Takatora had the skill. Michi thinks just because he's Zangetsu Shin, he could beat down Okoto, but he doesn't have that skill yet, you know? 
yeah, he's not he's not as good of a fighter and doesn't know the suit as well as Takatora does. I mean, probably the only saving grace is like my my thought on it was if you're gonna no prize it, like I know you know they kind of established early on like whoever wears a you know a lock seed you know is the owner of that lock seed and normally you know conceivably nobody else could wear Gaim's lock seed you know that's that's the yeah. idea but you figure since Michi and Takatora are blood related maybe there's DNA, some kind of yeah. DNA aspect to it where it's like oh it's cool he can wear Zangetsu arms too because they're they're you know because they're brothers you know as, yeah, as yeah. I like to say so yeah, uh, before he gets too serious, though, well, you know, before he, he kills Michi. No, I'm just kidding. Demushu appears, and, you know, he's like, you know, being himself. He's like, arr, arr, arr. you know, he, and actually, he's going to get do fight him together. Not as friends, but just because he's more powerful, and if they don't do yeah, the, the supervillain team up, you know, yeah, they're going to get their asses kicked. Sid hears about this, so he, he gets the word that this is happening, and he rushes in to fight, and here comes Baron as well. All four of these guys are fighting the Overlord, and a crack appears, and Demushu is like, bye, bitches, and goes to the human world. And, and he's kind of like, uh, this, this is your city? I want to go to your city and, and wreak havoc. Yeah, wreck shit, yeah, exactly. Cry havoc and, and let's slip the dogs of war. <laughs> Guy, you know, is like, dude, we gotta, we gotta go fight him. You know, I was like, I don't, like, Kaido, me and you are still kind of cool. All right, cool. Zangetsu, what the fuck's wrong with you? Sid, you're a douchebag. Let's all go do this. You know? <laughs> However, and we're coming up to it, Derek. While this is all going on, an un- a mysterious figure with a motorcycle appears in Zawame City and guitar. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll go ahead and I guess do ratings. I'm going to give this one... And this is tough. I'm going to break it out. I don't want to do this. I'm going to give this a, a 3.75 pineapple. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to have to figure out how to cut that thing in half and then cut it in quarters. But it was really good, but it wasn't quite a four, but it was definitely better than 3.5. It just had that little bit of extra oomph for me. I guess it was the reveal at the end of who we're going to talk about in the next episode because I know who it was because actually when I was watching this, Derek informed me of who it was because he was really hyped about this mysterious guest. And I was, oh, that is kind of cool, because even though I'm not a big fan of this character, I know who he is, and I was like, you know, ooh, this this could be fun. So that does kind of amp me for the next episode. And when you amp me for the next episode, i got to give you a little bit of, you know, i got to give you a little bit of love. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it, I, I gave it four pineapples. I guess I'm I'm not doing the whole point thing that much. I'm, I, like I said, I'm being pretty overly generous, I guess, this arc around. But, I mean, I, I think it was because I was super happy that Takatoro was still alive. I, I have to say, I, I kind of how you were saying earlier, how you didn't feel the red and green overlords that much in their initial appearance, I think once they finally introduced Big Daddy Silver, like I, I, yeah. I really do. I, I am drawn to him as a character. Like I think he's a cool character. So of course that gets uh, you know points in my book. I, I do kind of like the whole idea of you know like Kang and Doctor Doom teaming up in the Infinity War. It's like Michi and Sid doing their 
super villain team up like that's another point you know what i mean so it's like and and you know the the end fight you know was fine like they they had some cool exchanges and everything it's not the end all be all or anything obviously the again like a lot of fights in this they're they're sort of interrupted and to be continued type things so you know I, i'm not going to give it the full 5 but to me it's like okay and then and of course there's the tease with the the cool guest star for the next episode so i uh, you know, I just that's why I decided to go with the, the four pineapples. Yeah, that's cool. I understand. As far as Big Daddy Silver goes, I will secret brother you. As soon as he showed up and he started talking, I'm like, this is my big bad. This is the guy I like. This is, yeah, he, uh, I mean, not to sound too uh, current and, you know, in my slang or whatever, but he's got that swagger. He's got that swagger, <laughs> you know. Nice. Yeah, he just yeah he he he's pretty badass. I was like, yeah, you other guys, me, whatever. But the uh, big daddy silver, you you got my vote, sir. Lock on. I, I hate this next episode's title. It's the 30th episode, and I hate it only for one reason. It totally gives away the mystery. I'm like, oh, come on, guys. Like, you can both set us back one of those. <laughs> but no, I have, I, I've done the titles for every episode since we started. I'm going to do them again. This episode is called The Red and Blue Kakaida. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. There you go, yeah. Uh, a couple of notes real quick. First of all, this will be a very Derek-heavy review because he's, he's got a lot more information about Kakaida than I do. Second of all, this is a weird episode because this is mainly trying to focus on the Kakaida reboot. So while it does address some of the stuff going along in the Overlord arc, this is definitely a crossover episode. So you yeah, could, it's, it's, you could it's, skip this. Yeah, yeah, you could. It's it's a vehicle for the Kakaida reboot movie. I mean, it's it's kind of like design, kind of like the the Tokuger Gaim team up episode to like sort of lead into the Heisei versus Showa movie. Like this episode I think is designed as a lead in to, to, you know, entice people to go watch Kakaida the reboot in theaters. Like that's basically what it's for. And to give you kind of a taste of what, what that conceivably will be like. I think that the placement of it, cause it does open with, with the little scroll that says like about two weeks ago, and yeah, my, that's the main uh, reason why I want to let the listeners know. Yeah, because uh, like, it's this like, actually this happens right. before. Yeah, yeah, this doesn't exactly continue. You know, it's it's kind of like that whole thing where it's like you know, the end of, like, Transformers 32, and then all of a sudden you get, like, the UK Man in the Iron Mask story for a couple issues, and then it goes back to, like, the regular American Transformers story. It's kind of like that, where it's like we were in the middle of that sort of overlord arc and the you know the red overlord had just gone through the portal and we won't get into him coming across the other side until the the subsequent episode and this basically kind of explains like oh this took place a couple weeks ago so it's like you know michi is still sort of you know hanging out with the gaim crew you know and and doing his kind of fake friend thing and all that kind of stuff and and, and kota and mai are still kind of you know they're they're I guess they're, I don't know if they're working at Droopers, but the, I think the insinuation is that they're getting stuff for Droopers because of, you know, Baron, or not Baron, because of Bravo, like messing up the, that, that 
fruit display stand that he did in that one episode yeah, yeah. or something like that. So it's it's probably somewhere somewhere in the twenties. Like I think it's like twenty six or twenty eight or you know, somewhere in between there where it goes back a few weeks, like prior to where we are in the storyline now. And they, they yeah. come across a what most people think is a street performer and it's actually Jiro who who is the android Kakaida. And and he's actually not quite functioning at that point. He's kind of like just actually stuck. And 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 they don't actually notice it until it starts to rain. And then he's still perfectly motionless as a machine would be in the rain. And so Kota runs up with like a bucket on his head so he doesn't get too wet. And like he he tries to like kind of say, hey, bro, like you got to you're going to catch a cold. And when he touches him, he realizes he's actually made of metal and everything like that. And then this weird kind of like Frankenstein moment happens where there's a lightning bolt and it shoots out at him. And that basically kind of turns him on. And then I I mean, I guess it's like supposed to be like they, they try to do the parallel between you know, basically it's what, like Sailor Jupiter or whatever his sister is, you know, like she, she finds yeah. a photo of, of an old stray dog that, that Kota took in when he was a little kid and they named that stray dog Jiro. And so it's, I guess it's supposed to be like irony that his name is Jiro as well. And, and he's like yeah. a stray dog. And, and they try to do that whole Smallville thing where they like play with the colors and stuff because like when they're cleaning him up, with towels and everything it's like that whole smallville thing of like clark wears like a red jacket and wears a blue t-shirt and all that because he's got like the superman colors on smallville so it's like in this case they're trying to like wipe him down with like red and blue towels and so the blue towel of course is on the the right side of his body and then the red towel is on the left side of his body and like you know or or depending on which way you're viewing it it's the other way around but you know what i mean like there basically he's he's split into his two i guess dueling personalities you know the dark portion of his personality the kind of angry portion of his personality and then the the good guy portion of his personality i i was really like i was super excited about this before we well, not before we started recording Gaim episodes, but I think I knew that Kakaida was going to guest star on Gaim after we did like the first or second episode recording of Common Rider Gaim for the podcast. Yeah. And so I, I did, this was one episode I sort of jumped way ahead and watched. I mean, it's interesting now to me to look at it because I, I didn't really pay attention to too much of them. I mean, I knew who Kota and Mai were. So, because I had watched the first two episodes or so. We have all so the other writers. You're like, so, who the so, fuck yeah. are these guys? <laughs> well, it, it wasn't so much who the fuck are they, but I didn't really key in on them. They weren't important to me. What was important to me was, oh, shit, here's Jiro, you know? And it's like, oh, sweet. And then, you know, at some point, you're like, oh, well, here's some weird scientist or whatever. He's not the same guy from Android Kakaida. He's not, he's not Professor Gill. But he's clearly this 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 guy is clearly one of the bad guys. You know, at that point in time, I didn't know too much about Rioma, you know, and, and even then, you know, now looking at it in hindsight, I was kind of like, oh, it's like no wonder Takatora wasn't in this episode because he was busy, you know, being beat up in Helheim or whatever, you know, yeah, at the yeah. time or something like that. So it's like <laughs> a lot of those things, those, those characters, it wasn't so much that I was like, who the fuck are they? It was more like. I was like, oh, well, I don't know who they are, and I'll find out who they are eventually. And now seeing it for a second time, it's like I have a, a, a better context for who, 
you know, Minaka is and I have a better context for who Knuckle Man is and stuff like that. You know, what, that, that they're, you know, working with, you know, Gaim and Kakaida in this episode and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I think I think it did tend to favor you know, Kakaida and, and Hakaida, because that's basically what happens. Like, Ryoma puts his brain into the, the Hakaida android, which is... Yeah, yeah, android. you still get the uh, schematics, and, like, Ryoma's like, yeah, I want to do this. <laughs> yeah, because it's like he, he basically, they, they kind of insinuate, oh, yes, my, my friends from Dark shipped me over the android to test out or whatever. It's like, I'm going to put my brain in it and stuff. And they, they, they do hint at, like, that, the, you know, the longer he's in it, the more he wants to just destroy stuff and, and kind of be all about destruction the longer his brain is stuck in the the Hakaida android and everything. And, 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 you know, that, that was kind of cool. I think, I think they definitely played up Hakaida and Kakaida as being like super powerful in terms of the Gaim world. So I, I don't know how accurate that is per se, but I guess since they're trying to use it as a vehicle to promote their new movie, they want these, these characters, if people aren't familiar with them to be super cool. The thing I thought was interesting about it is, and that I liked about it and, and made me hyped for the, the actual reboot movie, even though, you know, spoilers, but we're, we're probably going to talk about that reboot movie in a subsequent episode. And all I'm going to say is I was a little disappointed with the actual movie, but this... yeah, I was going to point that out. It's like one of the things I don't like about this episode is not the episode itself is like, I remember like, when you watch this and then you watch the reboot movie, you're like, you really love Kakaida. It's one of your favorite series. And you're like, yeah, the movie was okay. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, oh, I was, Eric. I was a little sad about that. Yeah. You know, what was funny was when I, when I first watched this episode, it got me super hyped. Cause I was like, there was no, basically there, there was no political stuff. There was no undertones or insinuation. Like this episode was just plain fun. He's got amnesia you know, they, they play a little bit with the wacky gaim comedic stuff that Bravo does with Kakaida because it's like he's an android in a human household and he doesn't quite understand all the human things. It's like basically, you know, if you had like Commander Data doing like your laundry at your house and then he does goofy things every once in a while. It's like, look, Commander Data like made us all a bunch of food. And you're like, awesome. Yeah. This this looks perfect, just like a robot would make it. But then when they eat it, they're like, ah too salty like this actually looks really nice but he's not quite human so he doesn't quite get that it doesn't really taste that good you know like that kind of thing and it's like the, those funny kind of kind of moments in in the episode as well which which you know i, I, don't know I, I if like i know you didn't like the movie that much but i just want to throw this in real quick i thought the guy playing jiro I thought he was really good. Is yeah, he good in the yeah. movie? I, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I think he's fine. I, I think, I think the, 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 my thing with the movie is it's like one of those things. I'll just be upfront about it. It's like, it's like a couple little things. And then I just, I couldn't enjoy the rest of the movie because I held a grudge throughout the rest of the movie, if that makes any sense. And we'll, we'll talk about it. Like when we talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to spoil but, that. Yeah. But, but it, it, it has nothing to do with like the actors or anything like that. Like I, I do think he was really good. And, and even the, the new designs, like they, they were really fun. Like I like really cool. I like Hakaida and the updated Hakaida. Like they all look super cool. Like the fight scenes were super, you know, cool and everything like that. I, I, I guess the idea that he, it, it's like in this, episode he has amnesia and doesn't quite remember who he is until kota presses his reboot button 
And then at that point, he's able to transform into Kakaida and, and have that, you know, battle with Hakaida and drive him off. But what's interesting is because it's, it's kind of a de facto prequel to the reboot movie. Like they don't slay Ryoma because they need Ryoma for the rest of Gaim and they don't slay yeah. Hakaida because they need Hakaida for the reboot movie. But, but it is kind of like this weird sketchy area where you're like, it, it, it's interesting if you watch the progression. Cause like me and Luke did the episode about superhero Tizen or superhero wars, you know, Z, I think it was. And at the end of that... Yeah, that's the one with, like, Gavin and all those guys, right? Yeah, yeah. And and at the end of that, there is a brief teaser for Kakaida. But what's interesting is they use the classic outfit, and, and his head pans around, and it's like, there are other heroes in the world, and everything like that. But it, it kind of was a teaser for the reboot movie, I guess. But it's like they just didn't want to reveal, all, I guess, the full designs or whatever. And then you come to this... And this episode refers to him as like the legendary hero Kakaida. So it seemed like they were, even though, even though the movie is titled Reboot, it seems like it's like one of those funky things where they were playing on people's love and history of the old character, you know, referring to him as a legendary hero. So you're like wondering is like, oh, is it, is it the same character, but he's recast now? Like, is it, is it Chris yeah. Pine playing James Kirk, like that kind of thing? Or is it like a completely new, you know, it, it, it's like it's Will Smith playing Dirty Harry instead of, you know, Clint <laughs> Eastwood or something crazy, right? Like, is is that what's going yeah. on, you know? And, you know, I, I don't think, I think it was fuzzy enough in this that I was still like super excited about it where I was like, oh, yeah, he's the legendary hero Kikaida. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, and, and, and boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I was, I was super stoked to see, you know, it was just a little snippet and everything. And, and, you know, uh, even, even the end of it, like, I mean, obviously they gave the episode over to Kakaida. I mean, this is, if, if you're into Gaim, like, this may not be for you. I don't know. I mean, I guess I, for me, it's like, I'm super excited because it's Kakaida. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, spoilers, like, I'm giving this a five out of five, bitches. But, you know, like that, the, 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 but it's like, I, I could understand, like, if it's basically like you're, you're, you're reading this long string of great Batman comics. And then all of a sudden it's like, and then it's like, Hal Jordan, bitches, booyah! I'm the greatest Green Lantern ever. And this is the most <laughs> awesome Green Lantern story, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, oh, well, that was cool, but. You know, I was expecting to read some more cool Batman stories. So, I mean, I could understand if somebody has a problem with it in that regard, because it is certainly tailored. Like, even the ending, like, basically, he they defeat Hakaida, and it's like he now is rebooted. So the sad part is it, it's almost played a lot like... Um, the, the the Kenneth Johnson Incredible Hulk, you know, where they play like the Lonely Man theme, because at that point, yeah. at, at that point, he's rebooted, but he doesn't really remember Coda at all. You know, and Coda realizes like, oh, the reboot like wiped his memories of the time we spent together, and you know, of course, he's playing his guitar and everything, doing the the traditional you know Kakaida theme, and 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 instead of ending on like a you know, a Gaim song like they normally do on the episode. It, it goes out with the, the Kakaida, you know, guitar theme and everything. So, I mean, in, in that whole aspect, like, they really gave it over. You know, this was definitely a showcase for kind of a an attempt to 
bring Kakaida back into the public consciousness, which, you know, I don't really know how well the movie did in Japan, but I mean, I, I remember even talking to people before I had seen the movie, having seen this episode and being super excited about it, going, okay, guys, like you guys were in Japan, you saw it, like, what did you think? And they were all kind of like, I was about it, I think, where they're like, uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm kind of curious what you end up thinking of it, and, and I'm, I'm kind of hoping maybe Mike can join us as well, and, and we can discuss that, but, and, you know, I'm kind of curious to see what your thoughts are, if maybe I'm, you know, it, it's entirely possible, you know me, like, maybe I'm just holding a really bad grudge for, for a couple one-off lines, which I tend to do sometimes, so it just, it sort of ruined my enjoyment of the whole movie, but, you know, again, I'm, I'm curious what your guys' take will be on it, but for this specific episode, the 30th episode of, of Kamen Rider Gaim, I mean, you know, Gaim's in it, he, he definitely helps, it's not like, you know, they, they don't, you know, have Kakaida just, you know, beat up Hakaida all by himself like there's that cool moment where Gaim shoots out the the energy ball and then Kakaida does like the soccer ball kick of it so it's like they you know it's it's that whole superhero Tizen thing where they they both play a hand in the final super move that that sort of runs off the bad guys and in lieu of in lieu of blowing up Hakaida you know they blew up some kind of invest that was also on the scene you know and it's like okay cool like I I get it you know you you don't want to you know, ruin all your toys. You just want to give us a taste and then have us be tempted to go watch this movie. Now, you know, I, I don't know that the movie exactly spurred a, a big revival of Kakaida because it's not like I see a bunch of other movies or a bunch of other TV shows since then. But I, I will say I am super happy at least that they, they got, you know, Tomashi, you know, to do some of those exclusive, you know, web figure art versions of Kakaida stuff, you know. So at the very least, I'm like kind of happy about that and that's did you, get the, did you get those i mean i got most of the ones that have come out so far unfortunately like nice. this morning this morning i was looking at it and they have that like box set with all the the different colored hakaidas and i'm like oh man like now there's another one <laughs> so it's like god damn it but um yeah. somebody else's wallet got taken for once so but yeah i i like you said this was going to be a heavy me blithering away episode or at least the version of a portion of this show but like i'm kind of curious like what was your take on on this episode like when you when you first saw it actually i am a big guy fan as you are more than well know, hopefully the fans know this as well as much as i just laud this thing with like you know Reese and you know Holly and just like you know like you know olive you know crest on caesar just like i love this show Honestly, this did not piss me off at all. This was like, what this reminded me of is like, we, we've done already so far the Tokuger and Gaim team up, which I thought was okay. It was a little lacking in points for me, though, because I was like, eh. And then we did the Showa Riders versus the Heisei Riders, which again was a little lacking in points for me because the story wasn't really good as far as they didn't really tell a full story. And they just like they were just like oh by the way you know here's here's the uh the you know Gabutara from the uh you know the, the most recent you know Sentai and I'm like why is he there I, it's cool I liked it it was fun but it was just like kind of left like you know these team ups seemed really perfunctory it's like we're selling toys whereas this one you know what this really reminded me of it reminded me of the old Spider Man Marvel team ups because it was just like. You had a story. You had a really good like plot where this guy is a known story, like a known hero, and he's got an issue. And they did that a lot with the Spider-Man team-ups. They were just like, you know, like, oh man, Johnny Storm can't fight this guy. 
Or, oh my gosh, you know, Captain Britain lost his memory and needs Spider-Man to help him. Or he's new to the U.S. and he's like, uh, you know, college roommates with Peter, you know, and they, they find out like he's Captain Britain. He finds out he's Spider-Man. And it's like, you know, the same thing with this is like, you know, Akota finds out that this guy is actually a hero. You know, he finds out he is, you know, Akita and you know he doesn't want to reboot him because like he doesn't want to be rebooted himself. He's like, what if I turn into Hakaida? What if I'm just a machine of destruction? I don't want to be that. And seeing his friend in danger, he's like, fuck it. I've, I've got to do something. What, what can I do? And he does the reboot, and he turns into Hakaida, and you know, he, he does some pretty kick-ass stuff. It's a really good fight scene. And Hakaida is a really good villain, even though it's Rayoma. I know that might have, like, not soured you, but you were just like, you know, oh, that's not my guy. But it's still, the Hakaida thing looked really no, cool. No, I, I honestly, like, just speaking as a fan of, of Hakaida, like, that has precedent. I mean, Hakaida is a lot like Venom in that way, where he's he's definitely been a villain. He's definitely been an anti-hero. And there have definitely been multiple brains in various okay. versions of the outfit. So that's not... I, I, I don't think that's without precedent. Like, I think that's cool. perfectly acceptable within the context of this story. Yeah, okay, cool. As far as the entire episode, I, I, I would say this to Gaim fans. If you're a hardcore Gaim fan and you just want to see the story go along, I'm going to go out of the box, Eric. I would want you to see this episode because it's a good it's a good team-up. It's really fun seeing this character come back from oblivion, really, because the guy has been gone for 20-plus years before this. I yeah, mean, I mean, there's, I think, an, there's an animated show, but... Yeah, the, the animated show probably is 20 years old by now. I don't know. Like, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the series was back in the 70s, so that's that's almost... I mean, by this point, it's almost over 40-something years old. Like, And yeah. then and then the, the anime was back in, I think, what, Tsunami? It aired in, like, 2000 or something, but it may have yeah. been... I mean, it may it have originally that, been released like, probably, like, before 95, that. Probably, like, 95, 96. 90-something, yeah. right? Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. And I was, you know, and honestly, I'm not a big Akita fan. I'm not going to sit here and lie and be like, you know, yeah, Derek, I like Akita before you did. No, I don't. I don't know anything about Akita. That's why I wasn't on those podcasts. He was fun. He was a really cool character. I liked it. He's the guitar strumming, you know, kind of, you know, and like not anti-hero, but worrying about himself here. He's kind of angsty, but he's also really cool. And I enjoyed this episode. And you know what, Derek? I'm not doing this because you. I am doing this out of my heart because of how much I enjoyed this episode. I'm giving it a five out of five. Yay! <laughs> Yay! It was fun. It was a good episode. I really like this. Awesome. And of course, we already, you already, you already spoiled your rating. You're like five out of five, bitches. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. No, no. I, I mean, this, this. I'll be upfront. Like this, you know. Yeah, I wasn't super happy with the the way the reboot movie turned out. But this, this is like those those prequel comics for like, you know the the Star Trek prequels where you're like oh man this is gonna be awesome you know like and, and that's kind of how I felt about this like this was the teaser for for the main feature and I was like that teaser was like oh yeah this is gonna be awesome so I mean just on that alone I think it for what it was supposed to do it, it gave a good balanced team up between Gaim and Kakaida and and it definitely wet your appetite to to try and check out this this new franchise or this, this rebooted franchise, you know, in the theaters. So just on that alone, I mean, I, I think it did what it set out to do. I mean, it was, it succeeded in its goal, like above and beyond. Yeah. It, yeah. It, this is a really good episode. And honestly, I'll even throw this out here for you fans. And if you don't like Don, you don't even like Kakaida. 
if you dislike Tokusatsu, because Kakai is a Tokusatsu hero, he was like one of the originals. Check it out just based on that. If you like Gavin or you like yeah, I think older, I think if yeah. you if you if you're just a fan of like seeing guys team up too, like I I, I think Tony's comparisons are apt because I think I think there were things about Heisei versus Showa and and Tokyo versus Gaim where it wasn't quite super awesome. Like they had some some clunky moments. They had some really forced cameos and 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 tie-ins and stuff like that where it was this kind of you know, comic book event where you were like, oh, well, I guess we got to squeeze this in somewhere. You know, we got to have this extra side miniseries and do it somewhere. But this was just a well done team up. It was well oiled. You know, it's like it's like when people say, oh, you know, what's a good versus movie? It's like, oh, yeah, Freddy versus Jason was a good versus movie. You know, and I'm not saying they they really fight each other in this, but this was a damn good just straight up 22 minute team up and and if you're into those kind of things or just the way those are structured or how you know how different people tackle those i think this was was well done and well written yeah excellent excellent episode we we agreed on one we agreed on the, the team up episode <laughs> who knew yeah I won't say unfortunately, but we do have to get back to Gaim. Gaim proper as far as the storyline. So uh, we will bid fond farewell to uh, Kakaida. You did good. You did good, Pig. You did good. We're going to episode 31 of the series now. Uh, again, we're, we're building more and more on, on as Derek had pointed out, the, the mythology of the series of this episode. Whereabouts of the Forbidden Fruit. This is... Again, a little bit plot-heavy, but it's really it's really fun episode. We're going to get into this. Big Daddy Silva is talking to Takatora, and he's telling him what the Forbidden Fruit is and, like, what its powers are. And he's like, it basically gives you control over the Helheim Forest. You know, this wild, chaotic place you think it is, it can be controlled, but only with the Forbidden Fruit. And he says, humanity cannot possibly claim it. They don't have anybody who's that strong. And Takatora is like, tell me some more. And, of course, we could tell you some more. DJ Cigar will tell you. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, what do you think about <laughs> him showing What if he in? comes in, he's like, hey, hey, Zawame. No, he, he comes in kind of serious. But, you know, you know, th- this part sort of shocked me because I'm like, oh, wait, he speaks, you know, he speaks Helheim Forest Overlord, Overlord or whatever language, you know, because it's like he's he's there with his little kind of, I don't know, this this kind of shawl that, like, covers some of his face and everything, and he's he's also having a conversation with Big Daddy Silver, you know? So there's that aspect that, like, he's he's serving the same role that he does with Kota and the inner cabal. Like, he, he's kind of tempting all these guys to, to, to make certain choices, you know? And, 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 you know, it seems like he, he really does a good job of, I mean, if you were looking at it from an acting perspective, like, like you're, you're always looking at scenes and you're like, well, who gets the upper hand in, in a scene? And it always seems like anytime DJ Sagara is in a scene, he's the one who ends it on top. Cause he usually gets what he wants, you know? So you're, you're, you're always, 
you know, if you're doing a, an acting scene, you're always analyzing that, like going, oh, okay, who who wins in what beat? Like who wins in, you know, who gets the upper hand in the scene? Like who has control of the scene? You know, and, and, and sometimes they'd always be like, well, if you're going to be a good actor, like you both have to try to wrestle for control of the scene and blah, 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 blah. And like, that's all well and good. But ultimately, in the case of these scenes, you know, when DJ Sagara shows up, it's like, he is the one who usually convinces Kota to to go for it. He's the one who basically convinces Big Daddy Silver to to go for it. I mean, to me, like that's that's what I got out of his appearances. He's there to sort of nudge them in the right direction, and and more often than not, I mean, his track record's been pretty damn flawless. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's very good. At, I won't even say manipulated, but just persuasion. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't hey, I, I don't I don't is. think of it as like slimy, like that he's he's trying to, to make somebody do something that they don't wanna do. But but he yeah. is definitely good at being like, Hey, you know what would be a good idea? Hey, yeah, like, yeah. You know, and, 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 and they're kinda like, you know what, you're right, that would be a good idea. So yeah. it, and, and by the way, fan holes listeners, if you want, you can send me an email telling me that I did a good job because I love Derek dearly. He's one of my best friends. But at some point, I was like, by the way, his name is DJ Sagara. <laughs> he's like, I thought it was Sahara. <laughs> I did. I did think it was Sahara. Whatever. He's, okay. he's, yeah. You're like, he's not a desert. <laughs> <laughs> I really did think that sometimes. We were he's a Japanese like, DJ. A Japanese DJ slash mythical guy who does stuff with a shawl. Damn it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I got that from, but I was trying to like figure out why I thought that. Like, I must have read that at some point on some mistranslated thing, and just thought, oh, I guess that's his name. But I was wrong. Cigar, like Derek said, is very persuasive, and he's like, I think it's unfair for one species to have two forbidden fruits, and the Overlord confirms that he has a fruit meant for mankind in his possession. He's like, yeah, you make a good point. <laughs> you know, he's also, you know, pretty much says like. By the way, Big Daddy Silver might have his own agenda and might want to use the fruit's powers to revive something important to him, even if it kills all the earthlings. But, you know, he's just like, yeah, but, you know, yeah, let him have this chance. You know, if he uses the power, he can create a special lock seed, you know, and he does. And he trusts it to Sidara, who leaves. It's like, god damn, he's so good at playing both sides of the fence. He's like, you know, like ships telling Takatora one thing, telling... Big Daddy Silver, another thing. He just, he, like you said, he plays the moment really well. He's just, he's a very, uh, he's not sly. He's just a very uh, competent character. He knows what he's doing. But meanwhile, before we went into the whole Kikaida awesomeness, the Mushu had jumped into a crack to go into our world or Zawami City again. I always get confused with that because I'm like, Zawami's probably not real, not this version anyway. And Baron and uh, Gain decided to go after him because, again, Kaito may be a uh, power-hungry, you know, strength-mongering madman, but he always likes a good fight. And they go in there, and Zangetsu slash Michi and Sid are just like, eh, yeah, no, you guys do that. Because <laughs> they're dicks. And they come across uh, Redu. And they fight Redu, because Redu's also kind of a dick. She's, uh, you know, not the nicest girl in the world. I, I didn't even know she was a girl. I know, right? <laughs> And, you know, she's like, you know, she surrenders at some point. She's just like, hey, you know what? You want that forbidden fruit, right? How about I, I show you that? I give up. 
exactly. <laughs> like, uh-huh, nothing suspicious about that at all. <laughs> Why would this really powerful person just give up? Oh, and want to help us? Oh, nothing, nothing weird here. Well, th- th- yeah, that sounds like, uh, you know, send your angry emails to fanhousepodcast at gmail.com, but that does sound like a typical female ploy. Oh, you two big strong men are too tough for me. I give up. You know, type thing. <laughs> Like, I guess that makes a little more sense now that I know she's a woman. Send your angry emails to fanspike.gmail.com. So Demushu is, you know, rampaging. He's just destroying everything. He don't give a fuck. He's, he's pretty much just, uh, uh, you know, uh, instead of a big green rage machine, as Tony Stark, but he's a, he's a human-sized red rage machine. <laughs> and, of course, the mayor contacts the Powerpuff Girls. I mean, uh, uh <laughs> Well, you know, Minaka, you know, is pink and, and powdery, and she's probably made of sugar and spice and some things that are not so nice, so. Yeah, yeah true, true. <laughs> I don't know why, I just thought that was really funny, the bear's calling, you know, like, wait, wait, you gotta help now, Puff Girls. <laughs> Invest in destroying the city. <laughs> Fighting crime, trying to obtain the fruit. Anyway, how many do in the meantime, as activates the master intelligence system. And it's basically to take control of all the communications in the city. And he's like, you know, Minato, go along with these Kurokages to take care of Demishu. Gaima Baron, however, are like, you know, finally Koda gets it. He can't talk to at least, at the very least, Demishu. He's angry. He's going to be angry, especially when you're fighting alongside the guy who, like, you know, took his wallet, you know, a couple episodes ago. He's, he's not going to be able to be qualmed. He's not going to, he's not going to calm down. His, his tits are in a rage. So they, they try to fight still, but Kaido is trapped in some debris, and he can't get to his Genesis driver. Not a good thing. And he can't, you know, can't do any sparking attack and everything. The Mushu, he's like, I'm only attacking this because these people are weak, and they deserve to be crushed by the strong. Which makes Koda bad, and I'm like, dude, one of your friends is Kaido. <laughs> How many times have you heard this? Well, he, 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 he acknowledges that. Yeah. He, he acknowledges that later on, but yeah, that's yeah. That, that that's where he sort of stands up to to that philosophy in the sense that, uh, you know, I think that's his thinking is if that's all you want strength for is to bully weak people, well then, then you're not very strong, you know? And then, so that's what he's, he's, he's railing against in that scene. And that's when he, you know, again, he busts out the, you know, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. He does turn to Kachidoki arms. And again, Kachidoki is pretty powerful. You you know what? I I know where this is going. and, And let me just say like, this to me is tantamount to when they took down Thor in, in Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes in the cartoon. It's well done. It's not a, it's not a Superman, ooh, I tripped on a fucking banana peel or I had an electric manhole cover and I, you know, it's just like, oh, figure out some way to get Superman out of the series. And they're just like, oh, okay. They wrote whatever they fucking felt like at the time or whatever. And it wasn't even well yeah. thought out. It's like when Thor got taken out on that cartoon, it's like Kang's warship, like annihilated him or something. Or it was like the wrecking crew with the power of gamma irradiated hulks. So it's like the wrecking crew with fucking gamma powers with mystical powers. And they gangbang Thor. It's like, okay, well, you know what? That's fucking fair. Like, like that is believable. And in this case, it's the same thing. He's got Kachidochi arms, 
And you know me, I think it's totally badass. But it is believable that a whole gigantic squadron army of those Kurakage troopers on their little speeder bikes, plus Minata, you know, in her armor, you know, totally going after Kachidochi arms, along with just fighting one of the most powerful overlords there is, you know, basically that totally tires him out. So by the time he's again fighting with the overlord, the overlord then, you know, knocks him the fuck out. And it's like, okay, well, you know what? That's, that's fine. They set that up (laughs) as well. You know, it's like, I don't feel butthurt over that, you know, whereas, you know, when I guess like Kamen Rider 15 just decided, hey, my fruity Karg wig owns you, bro. Like, that's when I'm like, oh, that's not cool. You know, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it's it's just, you know, reality. Like, at some point, you can only fight so much, you get tired. You get yeah. exhausted, yeah. and you just can't fight Well, and, and, and it's one of those things of just sheer numbers. It's like, that's that's yeah. why, you know, my, my argument always was with all my, my friends who were X-Men fans. I'm like, I'm sorry, the Legion of Superheroes owns the X-Men. Why? Because there's fucking thousands of them. <laughs> they'll, they'll fucking get tired after a while, and I'll still have more people to play with. So you lose, you know. Like so. yeah. Anyway, like I beat all these guys. Holy shit! They got Valor too. Shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Random uh, Daxamite uh, reference on uh, panels. Like <laughs> you take out my Kryptonians. I got three more. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, uh, anyway, but during this whole kerfluffle, Kaido's Genesis driver is actually not next to him, and he's able to transform. And, like, you know, again, being the guy he is, who, who, who he appreciates strength, he's still, like, you know, Koda's getting gang-banged. I'm going to save him. You know, that's just, you know, how he is. Because Mushu does put a, put a number on him. And, you know, he's like, let's get the fuck out of here. And, you know, you're hurt. Let's let's go. So, uh, Radu, in the meanwhile, in the Hellheim Forest, is taking Sid and Michi to the location of the Forbidden Fruit. Mitchie's like, I'll just stay here, because only one person can get it. Yeah. Do, do we really think this is going to end well? Yeah. <laughs> it does Sorry. end well, though, surprisingly. It ends very well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody gets cake. <laughs> Sid, moves, Sid moves forward, and he's all like, you know, I'm going to do this. And Mitchie is confronting Ridu, and he's like, yeah, I know you're leading me to a trap, girl. And she's like, yep. <laughs> you know, she's like, it's not because she's like, you know, confident. She's like, it was kind of like a test. It was like, let's see who's smart. You know, let's see who actually figures out my little gambit. So that was, that was, that was kind of a cool thing. The, the, Redu gets more layers as this goes on. I think this was a nice moment for her. It's like, she's like, I want to test these little, like, I want to test these monkeys, see what they can do, you know? Well, it does. It does also like, illustrate again, not so subtly, like beyond just the colors, the parallels between Redu and and Michi, because they they both are that sly, you know, the, the, these well, complex kind of planners and machinations and, and and that kind of thing. They're they, you know the, these are these are two star screams trying to out star scream one another, or at, at the very least, kind of admiring the other's work in a weird perverse sort of way going i i see what you did there like i uh, that's very good i would do it as well and it's like ah you see what i did ah well you're gonna be an interesting little monkey you know type thing so yeah yeah while this is going on kaito is dragging koda back to the garden playhouse and koda like you said earlier 
He does confront Kaido. He's like, you know what? Demishu said some stuff that sounds a lot like what you say. He's like, is that true, what you see, say about strength? Like, are you a Demushu, Demushu, you know, on the same page? He's like, kind of, not totally. I mean, I'm not like a crazy Havoc machine, but yeah, true strength is, you know, my my deal. And it's kind of nice. Again, Kaido, so many fucking goddamn layers to this guy. He's like, but for that, you know, same reason, I want you to get stronger as well. He like, he's yeah, that, that, his rival. Well, that, yeah. that, that's what's interesting about it is that's that's the added layer where it's like he he, he believes in strength, but he, but he also sort of has love for certain people in his own way. And, and part of him displaying that is, is kind of like it, it's like when he tossed Zach the the lock seed and is like, or, you know, get stronger. You know what I mean? Like he, he genuinely wishes that. It's like not not only you know do I believe in strength, but I believe you can attain that strength with me. Like that's probably the greatest compliment that Kaido could give you that you can be strong alongside me. You know, it's not like he just thinks he's the only one who can be strong. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know, it's like he he has he has the ability to see something in people. And he wants them to grow with him. He's like, he doesn't just want to be alone. He wants allies. But if you're going to be his ally, you, you know, as they say in the gaming world, you better get good. And speaking of that, he goes back into battle. But the, the funny thing is, like, he wants Zach to go with him to fight. The, his kind of protege, which is kind of cool. They take off to fight against, you know, the evil Demushu. We go back to the Helheim Forest. And, you know, we're, we're still dealing with uh, Sid to get the forbidden fruit. And he confronts Big Daddy Silver. <sighs> that's, that's not a good idea. That's not a good idea at all. Big Daddy Silver pretty much destroys Sid's Genesis Driver and Terry Lockseed. And in probably Derek's favorite moment of the series so far, crushes him between two. Yeah! Mm. Feels good. No, th- this was cool because the way he, like Big Daddy Silver first, it's just more of a, I, I don't know if it, it's sort of like an offensive defense where it's like, there's this powerful wind force, you know, that's keeping Sid at bay, and he's in his 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 armor and everything. And then it, it just goes into levels where he's like, "Look, if you, you know, I, I'm gonna disarm you." And then he rips <laughs> away his armor and the the lock seed and all that, the belt and everything like that. That's like, if you don't give up, like, uh, basically, this is like Big Daddy Silver going, "This is your chance to walk away from this alive. Like, this is your one chance." And of course, Sid, being the arrogant putz that he is, is like, "I want to be powerful. I'm not gonna give up." <laughs> and and then of course, all this wind shear is on his face, and his mouth is bleeding, and all this other stuff. And it's patently hopeless, pretty much. But he's still trying to like, you know, reach for the stars or whatever the fuck. And then at that point, he's kind of like, "Okay, then," you know. And and then at that point, he basically parts these giant stone structures and then the wind force just throws him into them and then he slams them shut and all that's left of him is his little bowler hat and that's basically all they wrote for for sid there and i'm just kind of like cool like i like that yeah i'm I'm gonna go ahead and do one spoiler but it's not one that is gonna affect the uh, series sid's dead he's gone He's, he's never coming back uh yeah yeah, there is, there is, there is no, there is no redemption or resurrection of Mr. Sid. So if you liked him, what's wrong with you? If you didn't, he did. He ain't coming back. So you know, 
Enjoy that moment, Kamen Rider Gaim fans. And with that, we go to Kaito and Zach rushing in to the battle, and Marika is there. And she's, uh, she sees them, and again, there's that connection. And instead of attacking them like she did with Gaim earlier, she's like, I need help. <laughs> Get my ass kicked, you know, because the Mushu is, is very powerful. So we'll, we end on that as far as the 31st episode. As far as this episode goes... I'm going to give this one. I'm going to give this one 4.5 because this is really good, and I, yeah. I think one of the things that really helps it is Sid dies. This is our second big death of the series. First one being Hase, and you know, so another common writer dies. That's that's pretty big. You watch Game of Thrones enough, and you've seen a guy like Sid get what's coming to him. You're like, ah, <laughs> yeah, so com- so so comforting. Just like ah, uh, assholes do die in this universe. <laughs> another thing is is like. You know, a, a lot of character-building moments, you know, it's like Kaito, Koda, just like, you know, just a lot of things are happening where, you know, you, you feel for these characters. You feel the, the, the pain they're going through. Is like Koda's trying to fight. He gets his ass kicked. Kaito is like, you know, hey, you've got to be strong. Get stronger, you know. And then, we again, you know, we have, you know, this overlord, Big Daddy Silver. He's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 And you even have uh, Redu, who is a bitch, but she's she's a very smart bitch. She she knows what she's doing, so might not want to cross her. We'll see we'll see how that plays out as well. So yeah, uh, what was your rating, sir? This is the point where I'm handing out the the five pineapples like they're candy because this was a good <laughs> five pineapple episode for me. I mean, I I, I can't find anything really wrong with it. I, it was one of those things that I was so engrossed in that I wasn't taking a whole lot of notes because I was just enjoying the hell out of it. And, you know, anytime I'm sitting there going, this is awesome, this is awesome, this is awesome, you know, it's like I can't help but say, hey, it must have been awesome because this, this is this is five out of five for me. I, I enjoyed all the, the, the fights and everything. You know, I, I enjoyed the way they were structured. You know, it didn't, like I said, it, you know, just because – I'm into the whole power level thing and, and enjoy the hell out of Kachidoji arms. I think the way they, they managed to take him out of this particular fight was realistic, believable, and thought out. And they didn't just ignore what they had set up in previous episodes. They made it, you know, understandable why he was, he was faltering at that point. You know, they, they weared him out. They made him tired. They put him up against, you know, incalculable odds. So you're like, well, what, what, even if you had, were, all powerful. It's like eventually numbers are going to tire you out. So I think that was, you know, a bit more believable than, than, you know, what, what may be done in, in other, you know, movies or, or with other fictional characters and stuff like that. So I think that's how you properly, you know, take out the Kachidoji arm. So I, I totally approve of that. And then, like you said, like Big Daddy Silver was like super awesome and, and then the way Sid went out, it's like, yeah, fuck you, you asshole. I mean, all that stuff is, like, super, super cool. So I, that's why I was, like, five out of five. Nice, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I said, the, it, it's nice that a series like this can take you down a little bit, and you can be like, oh, that was another episode, and then, like, just bring you right the fuck back. I, I like that kind of stuff.
But with that, unfortunately, we do reach the end of this arc in the next episode. But it, but it's it's going to be a good one, guys. Just just yeah. off your butts. Yeah. This episode is the thirty second episode of Comrade Gaim. It is the end of the Overlord arc. We still have more arcs. Don't worry, this is not the last episode of this series. We still have more than ten episodes to go. But this one is called the strongest power, Kiwami Arms. Oh yeah, shit's about to get real, motherfuckers. <laughs> We're going to start off right out from where we left out. Baron Lemon Energy Arms. God, these names get so fucking long at some point. And Knuckle confront Demushu with Marika watching as the Kurokage troopers try to help. Their store troopers, come on. They're, they're not going to do very much. And Demushu is just like, you know, fuck you guys. Like, you're not even a challenge. You know, it's, it's like he's not even like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I was wounded earlier. But he's just like, you know what? I'm done. You know, and it's like, damn, how powerful is this guy? Because, you know, earlier Baron did put a whooping on him, but I guess, I don't know, Kaido wasn't feeling it at this point or something. I don't know. And the Hellheim Forest, you know, after getting Big Daddy Silver's permission to leave, you know, and go to Zawame with an army of invests, Ridu informs Michi of Sid's death. You know, she's like, by the way, you know that plan you had to stay back and not get your ass kicked? Yeah, that happened. You didn't get your ass kicked. He died. And she's like, also, I'm going to conquer Earth and become the ruler. Fuck Big Daddy Silver. Don't know if that's a smart choice. Don't think that's a good idea. But Redu is like, you know, like, I will do one thing. I'm going to help the plot line of this series and open up the crack at Yggdrasil. And, you know, take over the building while the MS army goes outside. You know what this reminded me of was... Seeing Mitchie side by side with Radu and then all these Invest invaders, like it, it kind of reminded me of like Baltar and the Cylons, like that, that almost that point where, where, you know, Mitchie's almost at that point where he's almost betraying his own kind, you know, like that, yeah. that feeling that he's sort of side by side with this person and, and just, you know, that, that parallel that they already have that he has more in common with this kind of treacherous Femushu or whatever they're calling him, you know, like that, that he's got more in common with the, the green and purple overlord than he does with, with these people he supposedly cares about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, wow, you, you are, you're becoming a really bad person, bitchy. Considering what's going on, there's, there's a big red guy destroying the city. Invests are everywhere. Red U is coming in like, you know, to Yggdrasil. They're like, okay, we can't really keep this secret. So there's patrols of Kurokage wandering around, and they're trying to find Demushu, and they're inter- incinerating with those flamethrowers any invest they find. Yeah, yeah, there's a point where you're just like, huh, martial law, that happened. Marika is like, Ryoma, you got to help us out. You know, we're getting our asses kicked here. And he's like, super villain rocket! <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, Team Ryoma's blasting off again! And they're like, wow, it's like you planned everything, don't you? In, in a nice, I guess you would say, visual cue, the Helheim vines in, engulf the Yggdrasil Tower, uh, making it look like a tree. Yeah, who would have saw that coming? But due to Ryoma is not treachery, but cowardice, I would say. I wouldn't even say cowardice, I would just say self-preservation. Because, I mean, he couldn't beat all those guys. It, it, but it does leave her with just Baron Knuckle and Gride on a Bravo, who join in the battle. It was like Minato was about to get gang raped unless Kota and Zack showed up, you know, and then and then all of a sudden it's like even, I'm like, dude, and then there's Chip, 
And then I'm like, oh, and then there's Bravo, you know? And then at that point, like, then when Kaito basically, like, you know, sort of gives them the impetus, it's like he's he's basically doing the Captain America thing where he's like, all right, guys, like, let's make a circle and nobody breaks our circle <laughs> and we're all going to watch each other's backs. And then, of course, then then Minato's getting all wet when he does that. Like, oh, you're you're totally taking charge. Like, I like you. Like, you know, you didn't run away like Ryoma did. Like, I, I'm kind of wet for you now and everything. And I'm like, dude, they just made like the circle of awesome, you know. So yeah. I was like kind of into it. You know, it was it was a cool sequence. They're very, very Avengers. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Meanwhile, if you don't remember, Coda did get his ass kicked by Marika, even though she put the smackdown on Coda with all the Kurokage troopers and, you know, not intended help from Demushu. Koda, like, you know, is, is healing from his wounds and the guy in the garage. He wakes up, he gets out of his, his stupor, and he's just like, God, Demushu is, is like a demon, you know, he's evil, you know, he's he's just horrible. And here comes Sagara. He's <laughs> like, hey, by the way, I'm here. And Mai's still there, too. And Sagara, again, shows more stuff. He, he heals his injuries. He's got magic, too, apparently. And, you know... He's like, you know, Coda's like getting pissed off, you know, he's like, you know, why did, why did you tell me to like, you know, search for the overlords, you know, I thought you said this would like, you know, end things. he's like, I never said the overlords would help you, I just said they were, they exist and they were a part of this, and he's like, you know, by the way, if you want to actually save your world, you're going to have to become an overlord yourself, <laughs> so yeah, this, this is a bomb of logic dropped on Coda. He's very much like, wow. And he also says, Sagara lets Koda know that it doesn't matter, you know, who your friends are. You must be able and willing to kill any rivals for the fruit of knowledge. It's like, holy shit. And, you know, this is, this is, this is some hardcore reality coming to Koda. He's always been idealistic and he's always wanted to do the right thing. But now he's getting that Takatora thing where he's like, I may have to do the wrong thing to do the right thing. And Mai's like, don't do this. Like, don't turn against people who might help you. And, like, Koda's like, you know, you could see that he's not, he's going to try not to do this. He's going to try to take the right route and try to be the best he can. But he agrees. He's like, I need this power. And Sagara reveals the locks he previously obtained from Big Daddy Silver. And he freezes time. You know, he's like, you know, we don't need Mai for this. You know, just just chill out, girl. You're, you're cute, but, you know, you can dance later. And he's... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And he's, you know, pretty much telling him that to have this power, it's like a wild card. You know, you're going to be like the make or break person in this battle. Well, yeah, he refers to him as being the Joker in the deck. He he likes giving him these power ups because he views him as the most unpredictable of the bunch. You know, you, you even though. Kaito, you know, is is based in strength. Like it's easy to see where he's gonna head, even though Michi is duplicitous. It's easy to see what direction he's gonna head in, even though Takatora has the burden of noblesse oblige. It's it's pretty easy to see what directions they're gonna move in based on on who they are. But Kota, I guess, because you know, it, it, there's that aspect where, yeah, he does wear his heart on his sleeve. He is sensitive. He does care about people and, and his strength comes from that, but that also makes him fairly unpredictable. So I think that's, that's part of the, 
appeal in in giving him this this set of powers because you you kind of you know it's 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 you know that Forrest Gump thing you know it's like you never know what Loxie you're gonna get yeah and, and by the way I was making fun of my because he was like you know freeze that he actually does freeze Coda too they're both frozen I I forgot to mention that and the whole challenge is is this Coda want this enough to take this power yeah and he actually does move through the freezing. To grab the lock seed. And as soon as he does, Sagara disappears and, and him and Mai are completely freed from the freeze. Freed from the freeze. Ugh. And, you know, they, they, they're like, you know, what the fuck just happened? But he's like, he has his lock seed now. And the, the, the beat writers, meanwhile, are doing a pretty good job of finding the invest. But Demushu, he's just, you know, he comes up from the sewers, comes up from the underground, and he was eating the Helheim fruits down below. Smart guy. He's he's angry, but he's not a dumbass. And he's like, "Yep, I'm going to kill you all." I think this is what they refer to on the online community as the power of enough. You know, and it's like he he does that like power up rage thing where his arms go in the air and he just basically knocks all five of them on their asses, pretty much because of how you know just just based on his power and his aura and everything. He goes into the fight. Akoda arrives. Goes to the fight as the Kachidoki arms. He's doing okay, but he's, he's, he's not winning. He's not winning. The Mushu is, like, still kicking his ass. And he's like, I have no choice. I have to use this power. And he slaps it on. And what do we hear? Kiwami arms. Fruit basket. Mighty, mighty, mighty shogun. Oh, fuck. Shit just got real. <laughs> This is a cool scene. I mean, obviously, the, that is the it, – it, it kind of is like I, – I know it's called the Kiwami Arms, but I kind of thought of it as like the Amazo Arms because it's like he's got every Lockseed power that we've seen to date all in one Lockseed. It's almost like it's a, a playlist of greatest hits of Lockseeds or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's at, awesome. at, a point, at a point, he's like throwing every weapon of every Fruit Warrior, Armored Rider – and then, like, you know, there's even, like, the, the guys on the side, like, Bravo's like, those are my knives, my, my swords. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, I mean, I, I know there there's that concern, like, oh, well, you know, he may need to use this against his allies. But at this point, he's using it in defense of his allies. And, and he does kill the Red Overlord. I mean, uh, he takes that guy the fuck out. So it's like, okay, cool. Like, this is... This is, you know, to me, I was like, this is a fun way to end it. And it kind of ends on like a, to me, it ends on like a, an up note where you're like, yeah, like, like Coda got a power up, like, you know, things are looking grim, but at least, at least they're, they're kind of, there's a chance here that they're going to pull through based on, on, you know, Kota and, and all these other folks, the writers, they're actually like banding together to, you know, fight off this invest invasion. So I, I mean, to me, I was like, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing, you know, what, what happens in the next arc and, and how everything wraps up. One of the things I was worried about with this episode is like, I know you had grown really fond of Kachidoki arms. And I was like, you kept talking about like, oh man, this is his ultimate form. This is going to be so cool. This is like his like writer, you know, you know, like Forza, you know, this is his best form. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> and I was like, don't say anything. <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, it's like, what, this is, you know, I don't know, maybe this is, I, I imagine this is Super Saiyan version 3 or something, you know, and like, you know, so maybe I'm more fond of, of just the standard Super Saiyan, but, but that doesn't mean that, that there's not other forms and stuff like that. 
I, I will I will admit, pretty much Kawami Arms is my favorite just because I like the transformation scene. Because, like, I don't know why all, like, the, the, the visual of all the zippers going around him just and it just like all falling down <laughs> yeah. and it was just like holy shit this guy is like because it, it there's there's a lot of debate online i've, I've read some threads and various forum topics like a lot of people are like is guy the most powerful writer ever and i'm like maybe <laughs> well you, you know what's interesting is that that description you just gave too it, it does kind of remind me of the, the sequence in the Heisei versus Showa too, where there are those multiple zippers and all the riders come out of it, you know? So it's like, it's, it's kind of the same scope, you know, where it's like a, a massive amount of the zippers. In, in this case, it's just, you know, revealing all the seeds that, that go into them and everything. But still, it's that same sort of epic scope where you're like, whoa, this is super cool. You know, like he's ready to kick some ass. Yeah, I, I do like Kawami arms. I, I have no problem with Kachidoki arms. It's actually a really cool-looking outfit. I, I think they're both really cool. I have no issue with either one. I just I like Kawami better. As far as ratings, fuck yeah, five out of five. Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Secret yeah. Brothers, five out of five. Yeah, this is yeah, a great fight. As, as Derek said, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not as big on the power-up as Derek is. He really likes the power-up. But on this one, I was totally on board. I was, like, ready for the power-up. I was like, I could sense it coming because, you know, you have Sagara with the lock seed and everything. And I'm like, oh, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. And I guess that's what it was. It was like so many times you, you see the hype. And it's like, oh, he's going to get a power-up. It's going to be cool. And sometimes in, in certain shows, other media, certain other things you've seen, you get a power-up and you're just like, oh. Like like Power Rangers when they get the Battleizer outfit. And I'm like, my God, he's wearing so much plastic bullshit. How can he fucking move? Is that a power-up? <laughs> yeah, you know what? For for as much as I love Drive, it, that that's kind of what it reminds me of. What's the blue suit that he has with the big shit on top? Where you're like, how the fuck does he move in that yeah, thing? Yeah, formula, formula suit, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be like one of his most awesome suits, but you're just like, dude, you've got like a, a Tonka truck on the top of your chest. Like, what, how do you fucking function in that thing but, but you know the, and and i guess that's kind of what you know john was saying when he was on the show the last time about the catchy arms it's like he's got those flags and everything but it seems like in in these episodes the the flags are often used as offensive weaponry and stuff so they don't look quite as goofy to me you know in terms yeah. of the way they, they choreograph the battles and stuff like that what well, one thing i'm gonna ask and again you know you, it may skate on the edge of spoilery details or whatever so if you if you don't need to you know answer in totality like that's fine but i'm just kind of wondering it seems to me like the golden apple the forbidden fruit it was turned into this lock seed but yet sagara was saying he'd have to destroy any rivals who wanted it so is it is that more like other people are going to try to wrest this lock seed from him or is it that they're two totally separate things and i'm just sort of you know like like thinking they're the same thing the best way i can think to answer that is that there's going to be more people reaching for the fruit the uh, golden apple and we're just going to have to see how that plays out okay okay because that is definitely spoiler territory and i don't want to yeah. reveal yeah, that yeah, yeah. yeah no that's fine that's good i'm just i'm just you know illustrating my i guess curiosity I know, yeah curiosity confusion interest in in, in how that's all going to sort of play out as we move forward. 
I, I can't reveal this because this is not a spoiler. Kawami Arms is his final form. This, this is this is his most powerful form in the series. So this this is this is him for the next eh, what thirty thirty two next thirteen or so episodes for the end of the series. So uh, this this is our this is our our big badass good guy. This is the one we're gonna see. So we both did five out of five, which is awesome. I'm glad Derek enjoyed this arc. He really enjoyed this arc, apparently. Yeah, yeah, this was fun. I liked it. I, I like getting into it. I, like I said, I don't know if I'm just in a good mood and I'm tossing out like pineapples like they're candy, but but I, <laughs> I did enjoy it. I mean, it was fun. I, I think with me is like since I saw the series before and I watched it again, I was a little bit more discerning. And not saying that your ratings are, are wrong. I mean, like if you enjoyed them, you enjoyed them. That's just you know how you saw them. But I guess in the overall arc, I was like a little bit more like, you know, nitpicky fanboy, you know, douchebag. I was like, well, this was like, you know, something that happened later on that didn't match up with this, rah, 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 you know, that kind of shit. It, it does match up pretty well, though. I, I'm Like I said, that the nitpicky stuff is just personal gripes, I guess you would say. But overall, again, like, I think, did you give one a 2.5? Yeah, I gave one of them. It was the, the one with, you know, the Junichi-centric one, you know, it was the... Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. the Jordy Bashir episode, you know, like that wasn't that wasn't my thing, but but other than that, I, I liked all the rest of it. Yeah, but, but still, yeah, I'd say your average, even with that low rating, is probably still like a four. Yeah, yeah, it's probably yeah. like four for the entire arc, give or take. I mean, we, we obviously we didn't add it up because math is hard, but you know, it's probably yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, and I, I would I would probably get the same with me, like probably because I did do a few higher ratings opposed to that two point five. Mine's probably like a 4.5 at the best. Or, or it might be a 4 because I did give a couple more lower ratings on the 3 scale than you did. It yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The pineapples don't matter. It just matters if you like the show. We just do the yeah, pineapples yeah. for fun. I, I'm, just, I'm just waiting for someone to be like, I think the pineapple ratings were like, you know, wrong on this episode. I'm like, really? They're, they're, they're pineapples. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that does take care of the Overlord arc, which it, it was a really fun arc. And Personally, I think it gets better after this. I think there's a lot more fun episodes. I hope Derek enjoys them as much as he enjoyed this arc. But that does wrap up this episode of Tokyo Thursdays. We do appreciate you guys listening to us all the time on the Fanholes Podcast Network. We have so many shows. We have Transformer Tuesdays. We have the Tokyo Thursdays. We have the Sentai Saturdays. Seriously, we're going to do it again. We really are. I, I say this all the time, but we're really going to do something with that. Who well, knows? Well. Maybe maybe by the time this is released, we are doing it. Like, think positive. Yeah. Like, yes, think exactly. Like think like Coda. Maybe we, we already are doing it now, yeah. and we don't even know it. And, and you know, actually, I'll throw out a challenge to our Fanholes listeners. If there's a Sentai you want us to do, send it in. That's why we brought back Gaim. Everybody was wanting us to do Gaim. Hey, if you wanted us to do Russia Sentai Kokyuger or Koyori Uger or, you know, even Ninjur, send it in. Say, like, hey, I want you guys to talk about this. We will be more than glad to do so. So if you want Sentai Saturdays back, let us know. Of course, as always, we have the Fanholes podcast normal. Other than that, you can get a hold of us with the normal Fanholes email, fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We're on our blog spot. You, that's our normal way of getting to you besides Podbean. We also have the Fan Holes Facebook page. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. We have an Instagram. We have a Tumblr. So many ways you can like get a hold of us or like stuff. I really want people to get on that Instagram because you and Mike have been putting up some really funny pictures of action figures. And there's no, like, nobody's following it. Follow that shit. That's, that's so funny. But besides that, we always appreciate any feedback you give us. Anytime you want to talk to us, let us know what you like, don't like. Tell us we're stupid idiots. Tell us I don't know how to say Sahara. Say it is Sahara. Maybe I'm the dumbass. He is a desert. He is a desert. 
You know nothing. He's a desert. But in the meantime, this is going to be this episode of Guy for Tokyo Thursdays, and this is Tony signing out. This is Derek switching on. <laughs> nice. Reboot. <laughs> Peace. And uh, Maraca, damn it, I can't say her name right. Shit, Marika, is that it? Marika, damn it. You know, you, you, I'm glad you like, like, have a small crush on her because you're, you're helping me out on this. Um, even though Marika, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, it's not, it's not small, too. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty fucking huge crush, man. It's not small. Um, at all. <laughs> not saying she replaced mine, but she might have replaced mine. Um, no, I, I don't think she replaced mine, but, but I'm not gonna say it's small. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, a little neck and neck now. Because it's just dropping. I mean, it's not even like any warning. It's just like, boop, gone. It doesn't go yeah. the, the, doesn't even make up the hang up noise. It's just gone. Uh, well, for me, it hangs up, so. Oh, mine just drops. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's on my end. It might be on my end. Well, it's like, it's, uh, I, it's like, uh, usually it's like you go silent after a point and then I'm like hello and then a few seconds later it's like it hangs up and then ask oh. me how the call rate you know how the quality is I should be like four 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 <laughs> like keep dropping <laughs> one out of five <laughs> no no pineapples for you Skype <laughs>